Welcome to I'll Be Dashed, a Woodhouse podcast. I'm Robin. And I'm Scott. And we are a father-daughter duo who talk about the works of P.G. Woodhouse and often go into nonsensical tangents about it. I mean, you might. I never do that. I, I figured I would just address it right at the top. Okay. Considering. Uh, I am glad that we are actually finally getting to do this because something that uh, people may not know about us is that we often talk about books <laughs> while we're reading them, especially if we're both reading or have read the same books. But because we want to keep information about what we're going to discuss on the podcast for the podcast, we don't discuss the Woodhouse books that we're reading. So it's been really difficult because I've already read it and made <laughs> notes on it stuff. And so I've been waiting for Robin to read it. Robin finished it. And then it's like, we talk and then it's like, Oh no, we can't talk about that because we have to save it for the podcast. So thank God the podcast is here. <laughs> so what dad is saying is that he has felt tortured the past two weeks since I started reading Mike and Smith and we haven't been able to actually talk about it. Yeah. Because you will, you'll mention something then I'll be like, well, mm, no, I can't talk about that. <laughs> so we are talking about Mike and Smith today, which is the second half of the overall novel Mike, uh, which was published in 1909 also included Mike at Riken, which we discussed in the last podcast. Both books are about the main character, Mike Jackson. I'm uh, never not going to laugh at that. Oh, because Michael Jackson or? Yeah. Oh, the, the, the novel's mainly about Mike and Smith. A lot of the characters from the first novel or the first half of Mike do not play a part in this. Uh, you see Mike's father and his sister in the first chapter. And then they pretty much disappear. There's some mention of Mike's family in the book, but for the most part, any character that was in Mike at Riken is not part of this book, except for Mike, obviously. Good news for Robin, or I, I thought before at least. Although it is mentioned in the novel, Cricket actually plays very little in the book itself, except for chapters. the last chapter. There are two yeah. chapters. I feel like you're holding against me that they're actually even in two chapters. I do want to well, point out that this book was written before I was born. No, I'm just, I'm just saying. You said that it's not really in the novel except for the last chapter. That's not true. It's in two chapters. I invited you to watch a cricket match with me today, and you just ignored it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as we talked about last episode, learning cricket would be like us sitting and watching cricket with someone who knows cricket. Yes. You don't know cricket. So I it would know, just be us sitting there just being confused. I know some terms. Could you explain to me what is happening in the game? As yes, the game I could. Happening? Yes, I could. Would I would be correct? Be... Probably not. <laughs> Accurate. No. <laughs> Very unlikely. Okay. <laughs> I would mostly be making it up. Well, yeah, see, that would be pointless. That would <laughs> if I wanted you to tell me the rules of a made-up game, then I would just say, hey, Dad, make up a game and tell me the rules. But it would be humorous to me. 
And that's really all that matters, isn't it? It is. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Well, I, I have, usually <laughs> when we go through this, we go chapter by chapter. Do we want to do that first? Or do we want to talk about the characters? Because I know that you have some opinions. We've already talked about Mike before. Uh, yeah. A bit. He doesn't necessarily change as a character much. And he really doesn't. He's a few years older. Pretty much a spoiler alert, I guess. Not really. But pretty much throughout his uh, history in Woodhouse book, Mike gets older, but he doesn't really change a lot. He's generally a pretty average person, except that he's good at cricket. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. He doesn't really change much in this novel. Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk about Smith or you, you just want to wait while we go through the chapters? I don't know. I'm trying to decide like if the conversation would be better before because I think we should go chapter by chapter. Okay. So we are going to start uh, and I'm going to number these the way they are in the book, which is the first chapter of Mike and Smith is chapter 30 of Mike. So we're going to start with chapter 30. It is two years later, and Mike is home from Riken for the Easter break. Mike is, per usual, late for breakfast, and so he does not see his father open his report from school. His sister Marjorie lets him know that his report has come, and Mike knows where that's leading. He remembers his father saying that he would take Mike away from Riken if he got another bad report, which really doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I'm not sure what it accomplishes. Yeah, I mean, just make him stop playing cricket. Like, why take him out of the school entirely? Yeah, it, I mean, except for the fact that apparently, and I'm assuming, I do not know this, uh, Woodhouse just wanted to remove him from Riken and put him in this entirely new setting. I, I don't know. He, he probably wanted him to have a lot of the uh, same actions that he's, he did, some of the same feelings he had about cricket. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that would be a way to accomplish it. But yeah. as far as his father's reasoning behind it, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. It it really doesn't, because even as I was reading it, I was just like, just make him stop playing cricket. Everyone would be happier then, except for uh, Mike. <laughs> Marjorie doesn't think that their father means it. After all, Mike is the best bat at Reich and is going to be the captain this year, which, I mean, is kind of a little stink, too. I mean, we don't get to know a lot about his father, but it, it kind of seems like I don't know. But then, of course, Mike is a fairly bad student. Well, it was also something that I was wondering about is like, so he's getting this report, report card, whatever, over the Easter break. Do they do, I'm assuming Riken does trimesters? This is probably something I should have looked up, but I did no research into that part of it at all. I'm just like, okay, he's got bad grades and he's got to start. Yeah, because like that was part that was bothering me because like, Okay, Easter is typically around like beginning of April, like it was this past year. Mm-hmm. And so, if it's just a what I imagine like typical boarding school in modern times calendar, then the term is only for maybe another two and a half months. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, I don't. I okay. do not know. <laughs> okay, I I'm assuming it's like a year round thing, and they go home for breaks. Yeah, that was a research failure on my part. Okay. <laughs> Mike goes to his father's study and uh, his father rags him about his report, which is fairly bad. The problem I have with this report is that beyond the grades, it seems to paint Mike as a 
pretty rotten kid. Hmm. And there's nothing that I actually see from him in his actions, either at Riken or at Sidley, mm-hmm. that really show him in that light. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's one of those areas where I'm kind of like, oh, well, Woodhouse is telling and not showing. Yeah. Because Mike, even through some of the stuff he does in this novel, I don't really look at him as being, I don't know, a bad egg or anything. He's, he's mm-hmm. just, he's an average kid. That's he, all he is. He's, he's Mike Average. That's who he is. <laughs> yeah. Great cricket player. Otherwise, Mike Average. Yeah. So I kind of feel like Woodhouse is just like, I got to get him away. Mm-hmm. Here he goes. Okay, we move past that. Yeah. So, and Mr. Jackson says he's sending Mike to Sedley. He says, boys work there, but doesn't really point to anything that distinguishes itself from Riken or any other schools. Yeah. So, I kind of feel like Woodhouse is just like, this is my goal. This mm-hmm. is where we're going. We're going to do it. I got past it in this chapter, and now I don't have to worry about my <laughs> family anymore at all. Yeah, it does not matter anymore. My goal is yeah. accomplished. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, in in the large scale, yeah, it doesn't matter. He got That was what he used to get him there. And then we move on to Sedley and stuff happens there. And we don't, I didn't really think about this until we started talking about it now. It's just like, okay, he's moved on. All right. Mm-hmm. So, and that was the end of this chapter. You have any yeah. feelings? Yeah, so when Mike goes into study, his dad is kicking the waste paper basket, which I seemed odd to me. Like I, I understand like kicking things in anger, but it seems uncharacteristic I, for him. It, se- it seems yeah, very un- uncharacteristic. And then he does the thing that both you and I hate, where he's like, "We need to talk," <laughs> and like, yeah, he's gonna get into it very quickly. But it's just like. I made a note. I'm like, well, that's not a good start because he's like, we need to talk and being aggressive and kicking things. So like, it's really not a good way to start that conversation. And this is one of the reasons why I think it makes sense that these are two mm-hmm. novels, because if you read it as just Mike throughout, and then you go from his father and Mike at Riken mm-hmm. to his father and Mike at Smith. And it's like, it doesn't yeah. seem like the same guy. Yeah. My other, I didn't really, it's not a note, I just highlighted, but it's it's part of the, what you're talking about, how the report is portraying Mike as this, like, just, like, awful kid, and I highlighted one of the quotes, because I was like, that's weird, um, but it says, he, Mike shows an abnormal proficiency at games and has apparently destroyed all desire in him to realize the more serious issues of life, and I'm like, that's a little harsh. He's like, he's 17. He's Mike Average, who only cares about cricket. Like, I, you cannot tell me that all the other boys at Riken care so much about Latin and Greek and all the serious issues of life. I mean, we can see at Sedley that you have other students who are worse than Mike. Yeah. So, yeah, it the chapter on its own doesn't, hold up to scrutiny very well yeah but again it was used to like get mike moving along Mm -hmm. yeah 
and as long as you don't think about it too much, which unfortunately we do when we're talking about it, it, it it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's only like when you kind of take a moment to look at it, you're kind of like, oh, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> I kind of put chapter 31 and 32 together. Mike travels to Sedley. He's in a rotten mood. He walks to the school while bemoaning his fate, and then he reports to uh, his house, which is Outwood. He goes to his room and runs into the Smith there. Smith explains that he spells his name with a silent P. His first name is Rupert. Uh, doesn't really come up much in this novel, and it actually changes later in future novels. Bec- when he is in Leave it to Smith, there's already a Rupert there. Mm. Okay. So I forget what they, he changes it to, but uh, it starts with an R, but it's mm-hmm. no Rupert in that novel. Were you about to say something? Oh, I was just going to say that I totally forgot that we were actually given his first name. Oh. I, I, was, I was trying to remember when I was filming a clip for my vlog on YouTube. And I was like, so it's about this guy named Mike Jackson and a guy named Smith. And I don't know if I know his first name. <laughs> I, I think that may be the only time, possibly one other time in a novel where his first name is mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't come up a lot. Yeah, and it doesn't come up much in future novels either, except in Leave it to Smith. Smith has previously been at Eaton. He and Mike discover their homes are not too far away from each other. He calls Mike Comrade Jackson as he says he's just become a socialist. And he continues to call people Comrade throughout the books. So it's Mm -hmm. it's apparently not a passing phase. (laughs) And I saw your eye roll. Smith explains that Outwood is really big on archaeology, which he means to use to get out of cricket. Mike explains that he means not to play at Sedley. Uh, They go to look for a study and find rather a large one. Mike wonders if it belongs to someone else, and Smith says, not anymore. Now, before we get into that, I want to talk about uh, Mike explains that he means not to play at Sedley. Mm-hmm. I almost don't buy it, but I also do kind of buy it because he's just being a stubborn kid. It's like, well, if you're taking this away from me, then I'm not going to play anywhere. So, but I'm also like, he loves cricket so much. Yeah. <laughs> so, but him being a teenager, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and give Woodhouse a little bit of a side there. You apparently feel different. So, go ahead and hear your thoughts. I mean, so. I think it's best exemplified by the fact that I highlighted a quote when Mike is like going over his little like thought process and he, he goes into this whole thing about Achilles. He says Achilles knew his business when he sat in his tent, the determination not to play cricket for Sedley as he could not play for Riken gave Mike a sort of pleasure to stand by with folded arms and a somber frown as it were was one way of treating the situation and one not without its need of comfort. And my note was that like Achilles, he's being a baby. <laughs> I, and I wrote literally that I said, and like Achilles, you're being a baby. Well, I mean, a, a lot of the Greek heroes were. I'm not. I'm not arguing that. <laughs> and, and I don't. I, I don't disagree with your. There's and, no Greek hero that has you know good coping mechanisms, but <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm like, 
Okay, I get that you're upset about not being able to play cricket at Riken. I get that. But also, you're screwing over everyone else at Sedley who plays cricket. You're screwing over yourself because you love cricket. And you're not really, like, sticking it to anyone else except him, except himself. Yes. Like, but again, I point he's out. He's a baby. He's a teenager. <laughs> yeah. It's dumb, but it does have some sense. Sure. It doesn't, it doesn't have some sense. It makes it's, sense. <laughs> it's teenager sense. And, I, and I'm not arguing that. Like, if, if I was Mike, I probably would have done the same thing. Yeah. But it's also, like, I'm not 17 year, years old anymore. And I can realize, like, you're being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, we're both pretty much agreeing. Yeah. On the same point. Perhaps Just a differing. One uh, of us degrees. has a little bit more empathy than the other. I have empathy, <laughs> but I can also. That was said so sharply. <laughs> I have empathy. I have empathy, but I'm still just like, okay, but are you. My thing, and not that Mike really did this, but whenever people are sort of like, I'm going to be petty and not do this thing, man. Oh, like, no, this is a temper tantrum. Well, yes, it is. But like my, where I was going to, what I was going to say is that like, usually when people are doing that, they then complain about the exact thing that they're doing and they're in control of forever. And that bothers me. And I, not that Mike did that. He just continued being a little like snarky bastard for a bit. Yeah. But he didn't like complain about it. Yeah. So I don't know. I have empathy. I'm just like, dude, <laughs> get over yourself. <laughs> I get I over feel it. for you, but get over it already. Yeah. All right. As I counted, I believe at least four eye rolls while I was going over that synopsis of those chapters. We are introduced to Smith. Oh, I have a question before we get into the Smith conversation. Okay. Because I had one other note for this chapter. Okay. And it was mainly just me not under his understanding. Oh, what oh God. Whenever you start it with like that, it's always going to be something where I'm either like, you're a pervert or I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't think this, I don't think this makes me a pervert. Okay. I just, I, I don't know this word. Okay. <laughs> Super annuated. I don't believe I know that word either. So Smith Smith and Mike are talking, and Smith says, I think he's talking about leaving Eaton. He says, no, I was superannuated last term. And then Mike says, bad luck. And so I wanted to bring, like, obviously I could have looked it up, but I wanted to bring it up in case no one else listening to the podcast knows what that means. <laughs> I don't know. Quite okay. honest, when one of them, I did a search, it doesn't make sense to me, so... Okay. I got something that says superannuation, which is money put aside by your employer over your working life for you to live on or to retire from work. And that doesn't seem like that's accurate. (laughs) Oh, okay. So this actually sort of feeds into my opinion about Smith in general. Okay. Actually, because so I went ahead and Googled it too. And I got the other definition, which is, obsolete through age or new technological or intellectual developments. So pretty much he's saying he's too freaking smart for Eaton, which is my main problem with Smith. 
he is such a pretentious word I probably shouldn't say on the podcast. <laughs> and it was so annoying. He thinks he's the smartest guy in the room and he's just over here like manipulating everyone else. And that's not my jazz. I, I think one of the things that we have here, and, and I'm not disagreeing with you, <laughs> is that I've now read like 60 to 70 Woodhouse mm -hmm. books. Mm -hmm. I'm so used to some of the characters now that Smith doesn't ping me as much as he does you. You've read what four books now? Yeah. Yeah. But no, no, you, you you're accurate. He is uh, and of course he doesn't really change much in future novels. Yeah. But it does tend to grate more when it's a teenage boy, I think. Okay. I mean I, I can't say for sure. I haven't read Smith That's as true. an adult. <laughs> remind um, me of this when we when we get to that point when, when we get to smith in the city uh there's there's another thing that i think may be annoying about smith but you haven't said it yet so if you don't bring it up before the end of the book we will discuss it later because i don't want to I don't, do you want me to say yeah, it? Yeah, I, I want you to say it. Okay, you're doing the, the you're doing the thing that we don't like where it's like I have this thing I'm going to tell you later. Okay, but it's not like I have to talk to you later and then I don't tell you what I'm going to talk to you about. I have to talk to you later. There's a meteor falling towards you. Um <laughs> Okay, my big problem with Smith Okay. is nothing bad ever happens to him. Like he <laughs> Okay, people don't get mad at me when I say this because it's not a one-to-one -one comparison. But in some ways, he's a lot like Jeeves. Mm. He's always okay. right. Mm -hmm. He always, whatever is going through, he gets through it scot-free. Mm -hmm. Nothing really bad happens. So, plenty bad happens to Mike in this book. Yeah, nothing. All, really, all the bad things happen to Mike. Yeah, nothing really bad happens to Smith. And it's not just in this book. Mm -hmm. I think that in some ways it works with Jeeves because however much people may think so, Jeeves is not the main character. Jeeves yeah. doesn't actually play as large a part in stories that you might think. Mm -hmm. he's, he's the problem solver. So you bring him in at the set times that you need him to come in or you have him mad at birdie because he's wearing purple socks or something so that gives him a reason not to solve the problem right away but well, and i i think so you you bring up a good point right and then i have to sort of think about like okay so why do i not mind jeeves and why do i mind he's smith a secondary so much character. he's a secondary character and he has, I'm glad you brought up the socks thing, because Jeeves, in my opinion, has more of a personality than Smith. Smith, his entire personality is being this pretentious. That's how Smith would say it. Um, it's like, he's, he's not only pretentious, he's a pro at it. He's pretentious. <laughs> Now I have to leave that error in. <laughs> I know. I did that. 
So, but Smith's entire personality is just this like pretentious. I'm so different from everyone else, and that makes me so much better. And you all are fools, and you can't see the big picture. And let me manipulate the crap out of like that. That's a, that's his entire personality. Now, whereas fair. <laughs> He doesn't say this, but it does come across. Oh, well, you know, he doesn't say that. Nothing no. he says could be taken offense to. Well, oh, okay. Sometimes it could if people actually pay attention to what he says. Yes. But generally what he says isn't offensive in any way. Yes. But the attitude does come yes. across. You, you can't help but read it with this like snooty, like, I'm better than you attitude. Whereas Jeeves, even if that is what he thinks, he doesn't act like it. He he plays his role as a valet very well, even if he knows that he's smarter than Birdie. <laughs> I do love that you said valet. <laughs> I have to now. <laughs> so it's, yeah. I just, I really tried and then about halfway through the book i'm like you know what i don't like this character <laughs> this guy <laughs> so did you have any notes on chapter 32 also because i kind of did both of those together i already went through all of them okay uh <laughs> you have more to discuss or um Oh, I'm sure we'll ha I'm sure it'll come up <laughs> okay I i'm going to apologize now i know there are people who like smith I apparently like Smith more than Robin does, which I do find a bit surprising because Smith is not one of my favorite characters. Did you I think, think I was going to like him? No, I'm just surprised that you oh. like him less than I do. Oh, okay. Not that you... It's a fair call that generally a teenage boy you're not going to like. That is fair. But I also like... I don't mind Mike. I don't mind... Uh, what was his face in the last one? Burgess or or Adair in this one? Like, yeah. I don't mind them if they're not being dickheads. <laughs> and so, my my bar for teenage boys not being dickheads pretty low. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> this is going to be another podcast. Okay. <laughs> Moving on to chapter you, 30. You wanted me to have higher energy. Well, yeah. I, I don't know if you were going to keep it in, but earlier, just like, I'm, a, I'm just tired. I don't know. And now you're like, screw Smith. Well, you brought up Smith, and that got me all fired up. Oh, there so. you go. I just need to make you angry. Okay. <laughs> I, it's, I do find it a little funny that, like, probably about half of the podcast episodes now, I'm just, like, angry in them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm glad that the next book is going to be a G's one because yeah. although I think you're going to enjoy the book, I do think that you are going to be angry at some characters. And that I love that at that. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> All right. Chapter 33. Mike and Smith decorate the study and prepare tea, by which I mean Smith acts as the idea man as Mike is the mule. Uh, they remove the keys so that no one else can get in the room. A boy, expecting the door to open, bounces off it, and Mike lets him in. The boy Spiller is small and freckled, and the course the study was to have been his. Smith tries to dazzle him with a torrent of words, and Mike comes out with, what are you going to do about it? But I appreciate that Mike's just like, let's get to the point. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, Mike's like, just a lot of talking. Like, what what are we actually gonna do? <laughs> I'm, I all of a sudden, like Mike, who was the main character in the in the first part, is he's like the enforcer now. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do? <laughs> what are you gonna do about it? Start pounding clowns here. <laughs> it's like seems like it's time for a fight. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's ready to fight throughout most of the oh, novel. Yeah, that that's true. A large part probably because he's just angry about everything. Yeah. yeah, he's ready to throw down pretty much throughout the book. <laughs> um, the boy says it's beastly cheek. But Smith tells him not to mistake the unusual and the impossible, which I'm sorry, that that's a good line. <laughs> Even if you don't like the person saying it. Smith wonders if Spiller is going to try to use force, but points out that he's an insignificant little weed. Spiller says he'll go to Outwood, and Smith says, let's all go together. Spiller tries to talk, but Smith asks about the archaeological society. Smith volunteers both him and Jackson to join, which thrills Outwood. Then Smith asks if there is any issue with them taking over the study, and Outwood immediately gives it to them. Spiller finally is able to speak and says that he was next on the list, but Outwood points out he just promised to Smith that Spiller should have spoken up earlier. So I I find this unusual to say, but I'm going to guess that you empathize with Spiller in this. I mean, yes, because they're, look, there, there are rules. Whether they are written down or they are implied, there are rules in society. A boarding school is a society. And Smith and what just if they wa- get on a ship and all of a sudden it's Lord of the Flies. And Smith just waltzes in. He's like, I play by my own rules. Which, like, I don't know. I also have to make a note. This was the first chapter where I, I literally wrote, one of my notes is like, I don't know if I actually like Smith. Like, I just point like said it. Because it was, oh, and another thing that bothered me, we don't actually get, we don't get Spiller's first name, I think. I don't believe so. But Smith starts calling him Edwin, like, throughout most of the chapter, because I, the the quote about me saying that I don't know if I actually like him, there I highlight a quote, it says, Smith eyed the speaker pityingly. This tendency to delay Spiller, he said, is your besetting fault. Correct it, Edwin. Fight against it. And I'm like, you are such an ass. And also, I don't know if that's actually his first name, so you're literally pulling the full first name out of nowhere I don't just know to if, be if that condescending. First name, or he just decided you're an Edwin. Yeah, and that's what I mean, like, you pulled it out just to be even more condescending than you already were. So <laughs> I was prepared for you to not like Smith, especially after we talked Thursday and you were talking about it. I don't think I was quite prepared for how much you didn't like Smith. It's like, I think it's bordering on like hate. It, it, <laughs> it seems like we've replaced cricket with Smith. Oh, we've gone past that. We replace confusion with anger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's accurate. Because, like, Cricket, yes, it was frustrating because I didn't understand it. 
the issue with Miss is that I do understand him and I hate it. He reminds me of certain people in my life. I'm so looking forward to all the other school books that we're going to be reading. <laughs> Any other notes on this chapter? Oh, um, I just also highlighted the part at the beginning of the chapter where Smith is like the idea man and Mike is the enforcer because I actually just, I did like that part. But then Smith kept talking and I started I, not liking him. I, see, I, again, I don't feel as poorly against Smith as you do, <laughs> but Smith is obviously not my favorite. But I do kind of like Smith and Mike together because I like that role for Mike. I would agree with that. I think as a character, that role works better for him than necessarily as the main character. Mm -hmm. So chapter 34. Smith tells Mike that Spiller plans to make things hot for them, so they must be ready. They can defend themselves in the study, but are vulnerable outside of it. They decide that they better be roomed together. A young man named Jellico comes to look at them and explains that Spiller is compiling an army. They go to Outwood again and get a dorm with just three beds for Smith, Jackson, and Jellico, which I'm not really quite sure how they just decided that Jellico is to be trusted to be on their side. I mean... Yeah, they know him like five minutes. Yeah. I, 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 we can assume, I guess, that Smith is an excellent judge of character. I mean... Of course he is. <laughs> because he's a, a, a Gary Sue... <laughs> Gary Stew. Gary Stew? Yeah. You have uh, a Mary Sue and a Gary Stew. I don't like that. But okay. I'm sorry. I understand that's... it exists and that I cannot fight against it. I just I don't like it. Yeah. Well, that's how I feel about Smith. <laughs> <laughs> you like that one? I thought that, that one was good. <laughs> People on the podcast are going to miss our confusion about cricket. Another boy comes to study and says Spiller wants them to come down but smith counters that they should come up <laughs> spiller does so and tries to get the others trust them but mike pushes them back through the door and then locks the door a shoulder goes against the door and smith tells mike to unlock the door and then the door gives and one of them pushes through with mike locking the door after uh smith maneuvers the intruder over the ledge and onto the flower bed below then they all break for tea because <laughs> well, of course it's very english and then they go back up to the study and smith proposes ending it in the dorm that night my only note was that i did give smith a point because spiller sort of you know demands slash asks like are you guys gonna get out of my study and Smith brings up that that would be very ungracious considering Outwood just gifted it to them. Yeah, I mean... And so I just, I just wrote, I'm like, okay, that's a fair point. <laughs> but he also, like, he got it through nefarious means, so it's half point. It's true. It, It's not fair, mm -hmm. but it was fairly done. I mean... Yeah. It, 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 it's it, cheating. It shouldn't have been done, but at the point that it was done, pretty much Spiller should pretty much be just like, well, you bested me, rather mm -hmm. than try to get a bunch of people to try to attack 
him, which again, yeah. this is a boarding school in the early 1900s. Of course, mm -hmm. attitudes about stuff like that are going to be a little bit different now. It was just seen as kind of par for the course, at least according, according mm -hmm. to Woodhouse's yeah. point of view. So chapter 35, they're in their dorm room. Smith says each boy should sit by their washstand with Jellicoe in bed and pretending to sleep. Uh, they tie a string in the room and then the intruders eventually come in listening to see if they were asleep and Jellicoe's like making snoring noises, I guess. Like very obnoxiously, if I remember. <laughs> <laughs> the intruders crash over the string. Mike dumps water on them and someone grabs his ankle. He strikes out. Mike sees through a little light that there were five of them, which is not quite the army I was expecting when they were talking about <laughs> earlier. It doesn't say a lot well, for a spiller popularity, I think. Well, no, it doesn't. But there's also, I think, like, like what, 36 boys in, in that house or something? Yeah. So he, he got, like, what, a sixth of them? Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean... I don't know. I with the build up earlier, I was like, "Oh man!" It's like, "Oh, the the five of them." Okay. Mm -hmm. Mike had bumped Robinson's head on the floor, which sounds a lot more violent than it apparently was. Smith was holding off three others with his dressing gown cord. I should have started counting a counter for the eye rolls. I forgot about that part. But you're right. There, that was part of the chapter is that he was somehow fending off three kids who are presumably the same size as him because he's that special. Yeah. See, that's the thing. It, it's like I don't mind all these things individually. Yeah. But it, when he's good at everything, he's a Gary's too. It, it's kind of like if somebody doesn't have any flaws, it's very hard to like them. Yeah, I mean, besides yeah. besides him being unlikable <laughs> for you, it 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 it's that's is like his only flaws that he's mm -hmm. just unlikable well, because because it it feels like I said before, it feels like he's he's better than everyone, and so you're you're not gonna like someone who is constantly walking around with this attitude of like I'm better than you because I have no flaws. Blah, blah, blah. Like you're not gonna like that. It's not relatable. Yeah, and it, it it can work to an extent if mm -hmm. the person they're with is like so much of a uh, unlikable character that you're rooting sure. for. Sure. I mean, I think it kind of works later, and we'll we'll get to that later mm -hmm. uh, with a master. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know that it necessarily works like with somebody like Spiller, who is mm -hmm. obviously already. A small fry, and mm -hmm. you know, it does kind of come across. It's like it, he's a it bully. Across that, him with five other people, you'll still kind of feel like Smith is a bit of a bully. He's a bully. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The light allows Mike to strike Stone and Smith to dump a water mm -hmm. a jug of water on Spiller. Smith then runs out and <laughs> dumps jugs of water on their their beds in their dorm rooms. The, the boys win this battle. I'm kind of two minds about this. Mm -hmm. Like, the whole, like, going to dump water on their beds, like, well, Mike's basically holding them off. And in one point of view, it's like, well, that's a little much. On another point of view, it's like, well, if you want to guarantee 
that they're not going to come back at you. You probably want to pile on as much as you can to make them rethink if they want to try going after you. So (laughs) I like that you're like, I mean, that's a good point, but I don't like Smith. (laughs) Well, I mean, like you said, like Spiller is a small fry. And like when we meet him, we don't know that he's not popular in the house. We don't know anything about him. We just know that his study got stolen from. Yeah, to some extent, maybe to a large extent, he's in the right. (laughs) He is in the right. And like, and now he's doing something about it. And not only is he getting his, you know, butt kicked, he also can't sleep in his bed. <laughs> and to top that all off, the next morning, Smith posted a note in like one of the comment areas, being a snooty little, yeah, and saying that like any nighttime raids, him and Mike just won't be home. And that they should cease immediately. Like he has any power in the house. He does now. <laughs> but he didn't the day before. Look, there's a social order. And a lot of times I'm not down for the social order saying the same. Please continue, comrade. <laughs> <laughs> don't. I, that was so annoying. I felt like I don't feel like he's actually a socialist. I feel like this is going to make me different. And that's my whole thing. That's why he's so annoyed. Not only does he think he's better than everyone else, he has to be different. Like he's mm. reading uh, further into him. He does use the socialism when it works to his benefit. Yeah. I'm thinking a particular scene in Leave It Smith that I won't talk mm-hmm. about, but it's like, mm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're 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 very open about other people sharing their stuff with you, but not so much the other way around. Yeah. Chapter thirty-six. <laughs> we 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 have fifty-nine chapters. We're in chapter thirty-six. Okay. <laughs> well, we faced every been... chapter with Robin doesn't like Smith. <laughs> Mike meets Adair, who is the cricket captain. Adair loves the school very much. Mm-hmm. He's a natural leader, a workhorse athlete, and Mike takes a dislike to him almost immediately. <laughs> Smith comes up to Mike, and then Adair asks the both of them if they play cricket. Mike says he doesn't, and Adair gets angry about it. <laughs> After he walks away, one of the masters, Downing, asks if they're going to play. When Smith points out that they're committed to archaeology, Downing says it's a waste of time. So we've introduced two characters who will be, to some extent, antagonists Mm -hmm. to Mike and Smith. Anything about this chapter? I only had one note, and it was just (laughs) cricket confusion is back. Okay. So Probably will not be able to help, but go ahead. (laughs) Okay, wait, I'm trying to see who's talking. <laughs> okay, wait, no one is talking. Okay. <laughs> Describing a dare. So this is why I don't like reading on my Kindle, because I'm like, one paragraph is like two page flips. Mike is thinking about how 
it, he says he can now drop the ball on an envelope seven times out of ten. And he's talking about bowling. Mm-hmm. What's an envelope? Like a mailing envelope? He's actually talking about basically what he's saying is like he can drop the ball exactly where he wants to drop it. It's like saying okay. you could park on a dime. Okay. Okay. You're because yeah, I was just like, it's like envelopes weren't mentioned at all in the last book about the cricket. <laughs> I think you were looking at it like that must be some special term, and no, they're just yeah. actually talking about an envelope. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that makes more sense. Because I'm just like, what? Why? Why cricket? <laughs> cricket has defeated me. It defeated me at the very start. As soon as centuries were brought in, I was like, wow, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I believe there's no mention of cricket in the next book. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying in the next chapter. I'm like, I think you're lying. <laughs> no, no, cricket's gonna be mentioned many, many, many I know. times. <laughs> no, Birdie is not a big cricket fan that I see. So That's why I you're love that stupid barely movie. safe with Jeeves and Worcester novels. See, that's Good that's books. why I love Bertie. <laughs> Not only am I like him, we also have the same interests or <laughs> non-interests. Chapter 37. Mike starts to regret his decision about cricket because he's a teenage boy. He soon starts to ache to play, but he doesn't want to play for Sidley. Because mm -hmm. he's a teenage boy. He makes one overture to Adair, who gives him the cold shoulder. Then on their third archaeological expedition, he and Smith slip away. They go to a brook where Smith falls asleep. Mike goes for a walk and run in, runs into someone who knew him from cricket at uh, Riken. They reminisce a bit about cricket, and then Mike asks if there's any cricket around there. Apparently, there are village games. So Mike finds the cricket he wants to play without having to do it at Sedley, and uh, he plays on the village team, and they win. So Mike's gotten a way to get his cricket itch <laughs> Well, still refusing to play for Sedley because reasons. Because he's Achilles. Because they are reasons that just don't make a lot of sense to yeah, somebody no. who's a teenage boy. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're reasons. They're semi-valid. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Who among us hasn't had reasons like this when we were young? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have reasons like this now. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm a pretty petty person, so... <laughs> I, I mean... I, I see you putting off our family book club book. So, yeah, I, I can. <laughs> I'm going to start reading that book like the day before we meet. I wouldn't be surprised. I've done it before. Oh, and one of the reasons she's putting it off because she doesn't want to read three eh, books in a row, which, of course, Mike and Smith is one of them. The other one being Ray Bradbury's Something Wicked This Way Comes, which means I have to disown Robin, but, you know. Well, look, I think as we've talked about, because we, we talk about any book that we are reading that is not Woodhouse, we talk in depth about when we have conversations. And I've explained 
that I think that most of my ness is primarily because of the audiobook and the narrator's choices, not the actual material. Yes, but I still felt I needed to publicly shame you. I guess that's fair. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, my only note about this chapter <laughs> was I appreciated the the writing that Woodhouse did. And he was describing he was setting the scene when they had stuck away and like Smith was like taking his nap or whatever. He goes into this whole thing about how the scent of the grass and, and conjured up memories and it is very nostalgic and pleasant and everything. And I just thought he did a really good job describing that and I could relate to it in a way, even though like fresh grass is not my thing. <laughs> but I, I wrote, I'm like, I like the nostalgia. It's how I feel when I like smell the ocean. So I just, I thought that was a good piece of writing. You just felt you needed to say something good. <laughs> Look, I, I've said it before, I like Woodhouse's writing. Sometimes he creates crappy characters. <laughs> Chapter 38. Mike is enjoying his time playing cricket in the village. He, however, is not enjoying his time with Mr. Downing, as the two of them have taken quite a dislike for each other. Mr. Downing is in charge of the school fire brigade, which seems to just be an amateurist volunteer fire department that doesn't really fight any fires. Nope. Downing also has a bull terrier named Sammy. Woodhouse mentions in passing that Jellico owns a clockwork rat. I made the mistake. I did not look up what clockwork rat is. I mean, obviously, I know what a rat is, <laughs> but... Oh, it's like a mechanical rat. Oh, okay. Like one with like a wind-up? Oh, that actually makes things a lot better for me because I thought it was an actual rat. I thought it was an actual rat that lives in a okay. clock. Okay. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is a bit of a disturbing scene for Woodhouse. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a rat that lives in a clock. <laughs> Why did I didn't think that it was necessarily a, a rat that lived in a clock, but I, I just I'm thought... I'm a very literal or, person. Huh? I'm a very literal person. Yeah, I just <laughs> thought it was a rat that for some reason was called clockwork, but I didn't take the time to look up what that was supposed to mean. So yeah, I no, thought it was a, a living rat, at least until Sammy got it. Oh, I forgot Sammy got it. Yeah, yeah no, why, that's why I was saying it was a much more disturbing scene than it actually was. Yeah, no, it's, it's a mechanical okay. kind of rat. So Jellico just causing trouble for no reason. <laughs> the fire brigade comes to order with students making requests for uniforms and helmets and downing wanting to guarantee the burn as quickly and painful as possible because he doesn't want to give them anything, no helmets, no uniforms, nothing. So if there is an actual fire, he just wants them to burn. <laughs> That that was what I took away from it. Yeah, I was like, I don't think he actually said that. <laughs> Subtext. Ah, sure. <laughs> Mike knocks on the door wanting to fetch a book from the desk, and the rat comes in with him. Obviously, somebody wound it up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just thought he walked in. <laughs> <laughs> Downing hears a whining noise, which I couldn't figure that out. I thought, is that supposed to be Sammy? But I guess it's the rat. Oh, I guess so. Or maybe yeah, it was Sammy. I don't know. I thought it was Sammy. Yeah, because I Sammy runs in and gets mm -hmm. the rat, which I thought was like a horribly 
gruesome that, scene. That no one reacted to. Yeah, I was just <laughs> like, I mean, okay, they're kids, a, a dog killing a rat, yeah, but still, ooh. <laughs> there's no like, hey, look what happened there. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> Downing sends the boys out except for Wilson and Mike. Wilson was playing with the rat when Mike opened the door, which him opening door let the rat come in. Mike uh, was playing with the dog. Uh, Downing gives Wilson 100 lines and makes Mike stay in Saturday afternoon because he doesn't like Mike, so he decides to punish Mike for uh, really petting his dog, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Knocking like Mike, on the door. <laughs> like Mike didn't do anything. <laughs> I mean, it, it fits in with like other books I've read about like boarding school masters and stuff. Yeah. But chapter 39. Jellico asks Mike for a quid and Mike gives it to him. I I love that they have like like three or four different terms for a pound. That's ex that's exactly <laughs> what I think. I'm like through reading this, I'm like, okay, so a quid is the same thing as a pound. Yeah. Is the same thing as there's there's another term that they use. And I can't think of it off the top of my Yeah. But I'm just like <laughs> I always thought these were all different things. Nope, they're all the same thing. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could say, okay, well, you say a dollar, a buck. Uh yeah. So it's just it's strange when it's yeah. not terms that you're Familiar with. Used to, and you're just like, why would you know? Oh, we did the same thing. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike gives it to him. Having done so, he writes to his brother Bob asking for some money. So there's the mention of Bob. And mm -hmm. I think that's pretty much Bob a... does send him some money, and I believe that's all we get of Bob in the novel. Yeah. We do learn yeah. that he is at Oxford, I believe. Yes. Stone and Robinson, who were, were part of the group of five people that tried to beat them up, they come in and they talk about the unfairness of Wilson getting 100 lines and Mike losing Saturday. So they have apparently, as a lot of young boys do, gotten over the whole fight. Mike lets them know that he was going to be captain for Riken. Stone and Robinson point out that the next day is service day when there are cricket games between the houses. And Downing plays for his house, so Mike decides to play. Oh, in chapter forty, which is the next novel, that's where there's more. There's more cricket, but I, I didn't. I kind of looked at it more at the drama of the. I mean, yes. To and fro, as opposed to cricket terminology. So I didn't. That's why when I said there's only really one chapter, yeah. that's why I say that. I didn't mind this chapter or forty like too much because there's like it i think i said this to you before like there's not so much of a like a play-by-play -play. yeah however there is still a lot of terminology that made my eyes droop okay did you have <laughs> anything about chapter nope. 39 okay so we'll i go. had several about 40 though okay here we go <laughs> is chapter 40 summary just cricket no no I, <laughs> okay mike's team wins a toss he starts cautiously, but as time goes on, he begins to hit Downing's bowl spectacularly. It gets to the point that Downing abandons his normal bowling approach and starts to bowl faster. Mike Mensis makes a century, which we know is 100 points, mm -hmm. or runs, or, you know. <laughs> Whatever they're called. 
<laughs> During their luncheon break, which I love that Cricket has a luncheon break. Yeah, they need to eat. Adair <laughs> comes up to Mike and asks why he said he didn't play Cricket. Mike points out, <laughs> perhaps a little snootily, that he wasn't going to play there. Well, and I believe, I believe it's Mike says something along the lines of like, you asked if I would play for the school. You didn't ask if I played cricket. Pretty much. Yeah. And I'm just, I, cause I remember just like smirking at that. Cause I was like, I mean, he got you there. <laughs> Ader wants him to play, but Mike refuses. Barnes, the captain wants to declare, basically say they run up and he's the captain of the house. Obviously mm -hmm. not the captain of cricket. Cause that's Ader says they've run up enough, but the other boys don't want to. If they didn't and worn out, then Downing's team might not even get to bat by the time the stumps are drawn at 6.30. Mm -hmm. Stumps are drawn, basic point, stumps, game's over. Yeah. Once 3.50 was on the board, Mr. Downing snaps and calls for Bond, Barnes, who is being held down by his team so that he can't answer. At the end, the score is 471. 277 of those were by Mike with Downing's house not batting at all. Mm -hmm. All right. So the floor is yours. Okay. So my first note is that I think it's the beginning of the chapter. Woodhouse says the description of the details of the morning's play would be monotonous. <laughs> so so he, he took out a lot of it for you. You're welcome. And I just wrote you think? <laughs> Although I do appreciate that you took a lot of it out for me. Because I, like I said, I didn't mind this chapter. Because you're right, it was more about the drama. And then my other note was that when they're talking about how Downing's house didn't score anything, and like in no previous Sedley match had that ever happened, I wrote, I'm like, okay, that's impressive that you can play an entire day and the other team not get any points. <laughs> and then I put a little crying, laughing face at Barnes being held down by his own teammates so that he couldn't he couldn't help the other team out. <laughs> I mean, and that also builds things up for later because that makes Downing mad. Mad <laughs> at Mike. Not his fault. It's not his fault at all. <laughs> but Mike is the person who was scoring the majority of those runs, so... Yeah. How do you... I mean, it's not really his fault, but how do you feel about, like, Mike scoring all those runs and showing them that he's an amazing cricket player, mm -hmm. but he's not going to play for you? <laughs> I mean, like I said, I, I think he's being a baby about it, but I also, I do get it. Because I'm looking at a stance of, like, and maybe Mike isn't looking at it this way. But I'm looking at it from like a loyalty standpoint. He's still loyal to Riken. And so playing for any other school team would feel like a betrayal. I mean, I I see that. That's not necessarily the the reasoning I think it is. I think it's more yeah. like, well, if I can't play for Riken, mm -hmm. not so much because loyalty, but because that's where I was gonna play, that's where I was gonna be captain. Mm -hmm. If I can't do that, then I'm not playing for any school. Yeah. Not so much for loyalty, but mm -hmm. pettiness a little bit. Yeah. And like and I, I definitely think there's a fair amount of pettiness. Like I'm not denying yeah. that. Yeah. And I'm I'm not 
holding it against Mike because no, I, I get it. I it was a teenage sense. boy. Teenage boys can be petty. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I can kind of see why he holds on to the pettiness. Anything else in this chapter? Chapter 41. Uh, Outwoods is celebrating, but Mike really just feels tired. Smith points out that Downing is likely to look for a way to take it out on Mike. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, after the chat about Downing, Mike uh, Smith points out that the only blight on the day was Jellicoe touching him for three quid, which greatly interests Mike. After Smith goes off to sleep, <laughs> Jellicoe asks Mike what people would say if Mike got sacked. Uh, expelled. No, I, I know what sacked means. <laughs> oh, well, you, you had a look on your face. I just I was trying to remember like why he asked that. Oh, well, because Jellico is concerned about being sacked mm -hmm. himself. Mm -hmm. For reasons. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yet. Yeah. He keeps going on about it as Mike drifts in and out. In and out. Then Jellico asks if he knows anyone who can lend him a pound. Mike asks why. Jellico won't say except to say he shall get sacked if he doesn't get it. I gotta be honest, at this point, I'm just a little annoyed with the whole Jellico thing. Sure. Because I don't like, can I borrow this? I need this. I need this. Why? Mm -hmm. Well, I can't tell you that. Yeah. It, it's mm, That's just a personal thing of mine. I'm just like... Well, because he could have easily just said, you know, I need to pay someone back. I, I mean, I understand all oh, and i also wasn't finished with the chapter but uh uh but before I, I mean i no i didn't realize i wasn't done with the chapter oh. <laughs> i had notes and i had one on the back page mm, so, mm -hmm. so. i understand why because if jellico talked then mike would be said the guy's effing with you mm. and it would have been done with and we wouldn't have all the stuff that happens after so it makes mm -hmm. sense why but that's one of those, like, uh, just, yeah, you can't help but find it annoying. Yeah. Oh, but I wrote during this chapter, Woodhouse writes a perfect description of Mike. Those who have followed Mike's career as set forth by the present historian will have realized by this time that he was a good long way from being perfect. As a blue eyed hero, he would have had been a rank failure, except on a cricket field where he was a natural genius. He was just ordinary. Yeah. That's Mike. <laughs> and also, Mike was always willing to help people, and he gives Jellicoe money that he had just received from Bob. Yep. Which I'm kind of like, you know what I saw there? And I say that as I just have done notes for the the next Jesus mm -hmm. Worcester book, is he's kind of like Birdie in that way. Sure. Willing to help people without really Thinking asking it questions or saying like, "Hey, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah." No, I agree with that. Because it, it, quite simply, if he had pushed further, like the the next three or four chapters wouldn't have happened. I yeah, mean, the the rest of the novel wouldn't have happened. Yeah, yeah. what happens in the next few chapters affects everything that happens after. So, anything about that chapter? Well, see, after I do the synopsis, you got to talk about something because then it just seems like I'm lecturing you. <laughs> well, it's just like <laughs> I don't know. It, it it was a couple of those chapters where it's like, yeah, that happened. 
<laughs> I, I think that here's had, my thinking. I had no notes, no critiques. <laughs> I think that you, by this point, were so angry at Smith that you were just happy for chapters that had little Smith in them. Um, I feel like that, like maybe partially true, but I don't think I really started like hating Smith until later in the in the book. Okay. Uh, up to this point, I think he was just annoying. Oh, well, that's going to be fun because <laughs> your hate is coming through in these earlier chapters. <laughs> so I, I can't wait to get to the later ones. Yeah, I don't know how much worse it'll get. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Chapter 42 and 43. Mike meets with Downey, who lays into him. After Mike and Jellico are walking to the cricket field, Jellico is hit by a ball in his ankle. Dunster, the boy who hit him, and he will be important later, you know, because he's given a name, even though doesn't really need to be mentioned. And Hugh, I'm not going to give anything away. But... I mean, it, people who are listening to this have either <laughs> read the novel or okay with being spoiled because it's not like they're going to go, oh, well, they got to chapter 42. I'm not going to listen any further because I haven't read that part yet. <laughs> I guess that's fair. Um, but it's, so we know Dunster is important, but he is there because of the um, service day match, right? Yeah. Yes, okay. I think so. He, he, okay. he's just there for basically a visit. Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. he, He's no longer a student there. Okay. So Dunster helps Jellico to go get his ankle looked at. Jackson is in detention, of course. Mm -hmm. So after detention, he meets with Smith and Dunster, who tells him Jellico wants to see Mike. Dunster congratulates Mike on the rag done on the cricket field the day before and wonders if the, there is another rag. To, I The rag has really fallen out of favor, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I, I as far as like joke or yeah, in that context. Yeah, I mean maybe it is used in England still, but I haven't like any like I, English novel. I'll be fair; I don't think I've read Greg in any novel except in Woodhouse used in, yeah. in that terminology. Yeah, I would say the same, and like I haven't experienced it in any like English media in that context. So, <laughs> Mike wonders what Jellico wanted, but he also assumes that Jellico can wait and relaxes because that works for the plot. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dunster also mentions that Jellico has no sense of humor and can't can't tell when he's being ragged, which also mm -hmm. makes sense in the next coming chapters. So Mike relaxes and then finally remembers, and he goes to Jellico. Jellico says he has to pay a man money today or he'll get sacked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mike feels bad and says, he'll go after lights out. Jellico owes money to a man named Barley who runs the White Boar, which I guess is a pub. Mm -hmm. And Mike says he'll bike there. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, this is, these two chapters are basically set up chapters for everything that's going to have to happen yeah. in the novel after and a lot of it is kind of like oh i'm not gonna go see jellico now because <laughs> just because <laughs> and you know then dunster laying the bit about jellico not understanding when people are pulling jokes on him yeah 
So because this makes me feel bad for Mike, because Jericho had just talked to him. (laughs) I know it doesn't work for the novel, but still, it's just like. I think this is like a pet peeve of yours, is that if something happens for the plot, but it didn't need to happen that way, I think that really bothers you. Because, like, obviously, yes, there wouldn't be a story if Jellico had just talked to Mike and just explained. Yeah. But the fact that, like, it's such a simple solution, I think that really gets to you. Well, a, a lot of it, it can come from somebody who has watched a lot of horrible, like, Hallmark Christmas movies. Yeah. Like, people who don't talk about yeah. something that could solve things easily, but they don't do it because... If they did, then the movie would end. Yeah. And it's kind of like this. If Jellico had said, oh, I owe this man. And it's it's not even that embarrassing mm-hmm. a thing that he couldn't tell his roommate, mm-hmm. oh, my dogs did this. And he says, I have to give him money before Yeah, he tells, you know, the headmaster. Yeah. But, of course, we haven't gotten there yet. So anything about chapters 42 or 43? No. I have I have notes on 44. Okay. All right. Chapter 44. Mike starts out on his ride. Uh, he had gotten the key from Smith. Mike goes to the White Bear a bit after 11 at night, knocks on a door, and gets the boy there to uh, get Mr. Barley up. He tells Mr. Barley he is there to give him Jellico's money. Barley starts laughing. He, he explains that he keeps two dogs for Jellico. And they upset a face and also ate some cold chicken. As a joke, Barley tells Jellico to pay five pounds or I'll have to talk to the headmaster. Which also, <laughs> like, that's one, a lame joke, and two, kind of mean. Yeah. For I an mean, adult I think to they do get it across either. that he's not necessarily a super nice person. Yeah. I mean, he's, <laughs> I don't think he's a horrible person person he is keeping the dogs for him yeah but like i said like if it's not a mean joke it's a lame joke it, it's, I, I definitely concede it it's pretty lame and it would not have worked on anybody except Chelico, apparently um well plus i think the fact that it was like it was written in a letter i think yeah. that helps because obviously you can't read tone yeah Mike takes back the letter that he had given Mr. Barley and the money, and he goes back to Sedley, which I'm kind of surprised Mr. Barley didn't just keep the money. Keep it, and just yeah. Go like, yeah, well, good that he paid up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's good that he admitted it was a joke, or maybe he just didn't think, oh, if I just say that's actually what happened, I get to keep the money. But, you know, yeah. Jellico is going to get his money back, or I guess Mike and Smith are going to get their money back. Yeah. <laughs> Mike takes back the letter and money and he goes back to Sedley. He puts a bike back, accidentally touching something on the floor, which being Mike doesn't care to investigate whatever that was. Which I you know, that one I'm like, yes, it worked for the plot, but mm-hmm. I could That's see sure. it. Oh, I just I, I accidentally kicked something, whatever. Somebody yeah, yeah. just left something there. Yeah. Why would I think it would be a can of paint? <laughs> yeah. Well, I certainly didn't think it was a can of paint because one of my notes was at that part was a person. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We've had talks about Woodhouse and what kind I of know. rights. 
Well, I didn't think that it was a dead person. I just thought, oh. like, for some reason, a person. So somebody's just sleeping in the shed? <laughs> yeah. Well, because it's not described. It says, as he wheeled his machine in, his bike, his foot touched something on the floor without waiting to discover what this might be. It the Whatever it is, is not described at all. So I feel like... If he, if he wanted you to have a clue of what it, what it actually was, he would have said, he kicked something hard. He kicked something metallic. He kicked flesh. Like, But, I mean, obviously... Woodhouse, Woodhouse gave us nothing. <laughs> Woodhouse does... Woodhouse wants you to note it. Yes, which I did. And I guess a person. Know what it is. <laughs> I'm just... Yeah, the fact that you went to person... <laughs> <laughs> and well, then I discovered in a couple chapters that I was very wrong, and I decided yeah, to leave course, the note. I guess my assumption that you go into person, my assumption is immediately dead person. I don't know. Yeah. That something about me. But yeah, it was like that was not what I thought. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Were you done with the summary? I wasn't. You go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. Because mine, uh, that was just a good jumping in point. So oh, after he touches something, not a body, on the floor. <laughs> He starts to climb up the water pipe, as Woodhouse characters are wont to do. And I'm still amazed by it, because that has to be hell on your hands. <laughs> Someone yells, who's that? My only other note in the chapter you was that... You said notes. <laughs> two is plenty. Kill me, Holmes. My only other note was that I, I highlighted, because I found it very amusing... When Mr. Barley is explaining his quote-unquote joke, Mike <laughs> has this thought that he's like, Mr. Barley's sense of humor, Mike was more inclined to be abusive than mirthful. I'm like, I get that. I mean... I'm like, I can only imagine how bad Mike wanted to be like, you mother, and then just like punch him. Well, he he broke curfew to help yeah. the friend. And... It now he has to sneak nothing. back in, and it yeah. was for nothing. Yeah, so like I just I really like that part because I'm like, man, I get you, Mike. <laughs> I like, don't know. That... The last five or six chapters or so, there's been very little mention of Smith. So yes, that's why I, I didn't. I'm mind guessing that part. these chapters have been more enjoyable to you. Yes. I'm really looking forward to leave it to Smith when you're going to have Blanding's Castle battling with Smith in your I mind. Because I do really like, well, I the one book that I've read, I like yeah. Blanding's Castle. And leave it to Smith as the second Blanding's Castle, or we have would have yeah. probably done another Blanding's yeah. Castle. All right, so uh, chapter 45. Woodhouse points out that the right thing for Mike to have done was to continue up the water pipe and gone to bed, as it was unlikely anyone would have recognized him. But he was startled and he went down the pipe and ran, which at least that makes sense, you know. Sure. You know, because you you got surprised and you panicked a little. Yeah, that makes mm -hmm. perfect sense. Yeah. Um, Mike recognizes that is the school sergeant and easily outruns him. Once he sees the sergeant is given the run up, he starts to go back and then sees someone running to the bike shed. It's Adair. And I just, this isn't in this chapter, but I just find it amazing that at no point does Adair ever mention that Mike was out that night. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's true. Yeah, it, it's, it's just, 
I that's something that I was kind of like, okay, well now I'm waiting for this to come up, and it mm-hmm. just never did. Yeah. Adair is going to a doctor for one of the boys in the house. Mike, <laughs> being the mastermind he is, tells Adair that he was out for a stroll. Yep. <laughs> Mike heads back to the house. Downing, who Adair had woken up to tell him about the sick boy, is standing at the front gate waiting for uh, Adair's return and calls out to the running Mike. Mike takes off again, but Downing was a bit of a sprinter, so Mike decides to pull the fire alarm rope and everybody in the house starts to wake up. I just, I, I don't disbelieve either one of these, but I just find it amusing that the person who could only come up with I was out on a stroll also thinks to pull the fire mm-hmm. alarm rope. Yeah. It's like, me dumb, me super intelligent. Yeah, yeah. It's like within the span of like maybe 15 minutes, he did something very stupid and then did something like, quite frankly, very smart. Oh, yes, very, very smart. But yeah, it's just, it's one of those things where like, are we reading about the same character? And like I said, I I can see it. It's just, yeah. it's an it's an amusing that mm-hmm. same person <laughs> my only note for this chapter which you're not gonna <laughs> you'll be like seriously so i believe that the guy who was sick oh yes the guy who was sick his name is mac mcafee okay yeah. my only note was highlighting just why mcafee was feeling ill oh didn't he like, eat a bunch of stuff i, I remember correctly in that he ate six buns, half a coconut, three donuts, two ices, an apple, and a pound of cherries, and washing the lot down with tea. Yeah, I'm not surprised he was sick. And I just, I highlighted that, and my note was, holy crap, because that's what he probably needs to do. Yeah. I was like, yeah, he's sick. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Woodhouse <laughs> writes, you know, before he goes into exactly what McAfee ate, he's like, all that was wrong with him was that he ate all of this. Um, but that's my only note for the chapter. Yeah, imagine the doctor being woken up, going to that boy's room and questioning him, and was like, "Well, yeah, you feel sick." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm so glad I got woken up for this. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "It's only in the middle of the night, and your your stomach is hurting, and you didn't think about why." <laughs> that poor doctor. <laughs> I'm just like. Just the thought of that makes my stomach hurt a little bit. <laughs> well, plus I'm I'm over here like I can, I can put food away, but I'm just like a pound of cherries. <laughs> like and and I don't like cherries at all. So to me, that I like cherries. Particularly oh, gross. A pound. Like I don't think I can eat like a pound of passion fruit, which would also take a lot of work because you only eat the juice inside. There'll be a lot of passion fruit, but like, like that's a, a pound of any fruit is too much at once. I mean, maybe I guess I could see eating like a, a pound of bananas. That'd be like what three bananas? I still feel like that's a lot. Mm. Or I, I mean, I was thinking like a pound of apples. Like that'd be like what, like three apples? Uh, probably be if you go for like how much you actually. Eat, I think it would be yeah. more than three because you're not going to eat the cores, obviously. 
Yeah, I guess that's, I guess that's fair. <laughs> I love the poor people who listen to this and go on or like, <laughs> we're just going to go over to this topic now. Yeah, they're like, why are they talking about fruit? <laughs> <laughs> What's the hardest fruit to eat a pound of? <laughs> passion fruit. Have you ever seen a passion fruit? There's not much in there. I'm not much of a passion fruit eater, though. So I don't, I've never had. Like the actual passion fruit. Yeah, not the actual yeah. fruit. Yeah, it's like. It's the size of a kiwi. You cut it open, and there's like maybe a half ounce of goo, for lack of a better word, inside it. And well, that's, that's what, what would make it hard for me to eat. The fact that you called it goo. I there's not a. It's not a liquid, but it's viscous. So that was worse than goo. So goo. Don't know how else to describe it. It's good. It's just it would take. A lot of passion fruit to have a pound it's just of it. Funny because I was looking up trivia today, mm. and beavers secrete <laughs> a goo that smells oh. like vanilla. Oh, and it is used as natural flavoring in products. What products I don't know because I was afraid to look. Quite honestly, I would, I would be afraid to look as well. Yeah. It, so I'm assuming does that information for all of you that you now have. I'm assuming does it also taste like vanilla? Again, I did not research too far. I assume because it's natural flavorings. I assume yes. I would assume so. Anyway, and in in my mind, I was just like, okay, how did we get here? I was like, oh yeah, the boy Dude. eating all the stuff. Okay, yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. So you have to keep this in now. Well, yeah, I have to keep all of our crazy tangents in. Anything else on chapter 45? Nope, that was it. Okay. <laughs> chapter 46, Mike informs Jellico what happened. People are laughing about the fire alarm being pulled, saying that once they knew it was a wreck, they started playing pranks on other students. Mm -hmm. A boy, Sharp, comes in and asks if they had seen Sammy downing's dog someone had painted the dog except for his head not counting the ears entirely red mm -hmm. mike shows sympathy for the dog feeling no need to burden the dog with his feelings for the owner he didn't do this to sammy although jellico doesn't seem quite to believe him and that i'm saying jellico you believe anything mike tells you considering all the trouble you put him through yeah like if mike <laughs> says that he didn't do it then he didn't do it <laughs> yeah, I didn't have anything else. Chapter 47. Downing discovers what was done to his dog. So it goes to the headmaster. The headmaster thinks it's funny, which, I mean, I don't particularly think it was that funny. It's I don't think it's that funny either. You, you know, I think Smith talks about it later about how long it would take to get the paint off that dog. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind people doing stuff to Downing, but Sammy yeah. seems like a nice dog. Leave Sammy yeah. alone. Like, well, and that's the thing. Like, it's it's supposed to be a prank for Downey, but really, like, yeah, Downey's upset, but Sammy's the one that's really suffering. Yeah. And, and I mean, he, he seems fine. He's, but, he's not hurt, but, I mean. But it's still also on a more serious note. People are laughing at him. <laughs> well, yes, but also on a more serious note, it's like, Dogs lick themselves clean. That's true. And we don't know what's in that paint. Yeah, I mean, so, I imagine that, like, 
after like, it dries, it's not as big a deal, but while well, it was still yeah. wet. Yeah. So PSA for people, don't paint your dogs or anyone else's dog. Don't do that. It's mean. <laughs> I'm glad you felt you need to say that because people are like, what? Oh. <laughs> Just in case people don't oh. think about that part, because clearly. <laughs> Standing there with their paintbrush. <laughs> clearly the person who painted Sammy did not think about the fact that, like it could be toxic to the dog. Yeah. And I mean, obviously. Obviously it's not because it's Woodhouse, but still. <laughs> people aren't going to necessarily think about that stuff back then. Yeah. We were still on that chapter. We just started talking about. All right. Well, that's uh, what I, I asked if you were done. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, the headmaster thinks it's funny, but doesn't want to show it. He does talk to the students after chapel to try to get the boy who did it to confess, which that never works. Yeah. Uh, the sergeant tells Outwood that he discovered a boy outside that night, and Outwood passes it on to Downing. Downing goes to the sergeant and feels the same boy who the sergeant saw was the same one who painted Sammy. Which, eh. Yeah, I mean, that's quite an assumption. I mean, it's it's feasible to think of that, but then if you later start thinking of yourself as Sherlock Holmes, I'm kind of like, well. <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of wondering <laughs> how you're going to be feeling in a later chapter when it's Smith and Downing. Cause, Not great. Because I assume that you don't like Downing. I don't. And obviously you don't like Smith, so I'm kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like Downey, but I also feel like I understand him more. He he obviously has flaws, and <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and even though I don't agree with any of his actions, I get it. Whereas Smith, I'm just like, okay, you're just you. So, no, those chapters are not my favorite, but I can't wait to get there. <laughs> anyway, All right. I do have something for 47. Okay. Okay. Oh, when Downey, okay, yeah. When Downey was talking to the headmaster, the headmaster was saying that, like, he shall punish the boy who did it most severely. He'll speak to the boys after chapel. And <laughs> Woodhouse writes that essentially, the headmaster issued a cordial invitation to the criminal to come forward and be executed. I mean... And so I highlight I'm like, that seems a little excessive. <laughs> that's probably what it feels like to somebody who gets called out. He's like, confess. What's going to happen to me if I confess? I'm going to be killed! Yeah. And so I'm just like... <laughs> I feel like, you know inappropriate prank or not, like, execution is probably a little bit of an overreaction. <laughs> Who's a donkey? I guess that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I don't tolerate people being mean to a dog, so yeah, go ahead and kill them. Chapter 48. Woodhouse starts with both a swipe at and a defense of Sherlock's Dr. Watson. Downing thinks Dr. Watson was an incompetent. Downing is a fool to do so. 
Dr. Watson is awesome. Just because he's not Sherlock Holmes doesn't mean he's not awesome. You're just comparing him to Sherlock Holmes. If you want to see a psychic who's not awesome, see Captain Hastings with Hercule Poirot off my soapbox. Dad has a lot of opinions about Dr. Hastings. Or not Dr. Hastings. Sorry, Dr. Watson and Captain Hastings. Captain Hastings. Um, I, not that it is relevant at all, but I thoroughly enjoy Captain Hastings. (laughs) Well, I will point out, again, as I've been doing with Woodhouse, I read all of Agatha Christie's books, like over the space of like seven, eight months. Yes. So when you read all the books about something, (laughs) all the things you don't dislike kind of just really stand out and i will say captain hastings and short stories is fine captain hastings and novels complete idiot that made things worse and hercule perot is an egotistical ass a lot of the time but i completely agree with him with every time he kind of verbally smacked captain hastings (laughs) Dr. Watson is a very <laughs> smart and, you know, and brave doctor. He's yeah. just not a master detective. And you can't hold him accountable for not being something that he never said he was. Yeah. I will put the soapbox. I'm, I'm like, I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> I know. I'm like leaning into the microphone. I know. My, my finger. I'm like, no one can see it, but Dad is very aggressively defending Dr. Watson. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, I haven't read Sherlock Holmes. So. Oh, did you not know that? Why? I don't know. I just haven't gotten around to it. No, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. Okay. <laughs> Chapter 48. Downing, now that he's investigating something himself has started to emphasize empathize what empathize listen you son of a bitch (laughs) you said emphasize i know what i said and it's wrong (laughs) but you still corrected me on a name that that one was accurate i said i'm sorry for the downy thing (laughs) anyway A boy comes to Downing and wants to use his bicycle. So Downing unlocks the door of the shed and he sees the paint on the floor with a footmark on it. Downing decides he has to interview the groundsman who had been painting the woodwork in front of the pavilion's scoring box. And he must interview Adair, who he knew had been out. He asked Adair if he had stepped in any paint, which he hadn't. And this is where I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, Adrian's yeah. going to say like, something about Mike, but then he doesn't. Yeah. I'm like, was Woodhouse just going like, yeah, just kidding. I don't know, but. Maybe he forgot. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> Downing goes to the groundsman. The groundsman had put the paint on the shelf and not the floor. So now Downing decides. All he has to do is go to Outwoods and find a paint-covered shoe. <laughs> so we're done with this chapter. 
my only note was Captain Hastings sucks. No. Oh. Was the use of language at the end of the chapter. I felt like Downing was. <laughs> I want to make a joke about being like inappropriately aggressive or something, but like it's really not. I just thought it was funny. At the end of the chapter, his little mm, internal monologue or whatever, mm -hmm. he literally thinks, Yoikes! Also, Tally Ho! And I felt like that was hilarious, but also stupid to think in your brain. Who thinks that? <laughs> I mean, that's like getting a peek into like Shaggy's brain where he goes, Zoinks! <laughs> I'm like, I'm sure if you got a picture into anybody's brain, they would think some things you'd be like, What? <laughs> I guess, but I'm just like, I, I mean, don't know. Externally, he does not seem like a tally ho person, but maybe true. up in the brain. He's very much a tally ho person. Tally -ho. I, I think he honestly thinks tally ho at another point in this chapter, but I let that one go. But <laughs> it was literally that's kind it's, of you. It's, it's three words. It's yikes. Also tally ho. I'm like those are just two things that are too close together for me to just let it slide. That yeah, that was my only note for this chapter. Uh, chapter forty nine. Mike and Smith are in the building, but Mike goes off and Downing runs into Smith and wants him to show Downing where the rooms are. They go to one room and Downing starts looking under each bed. Finding nothing, he tells Smith to bring him to the next room. Downing then thinks about the studies. They start with Smith's and Mike's study. And Downing notices there are no bars on the window and the water pipe is next to the window. Seeing Smith is the wrong size for the boy that he chased, Downing thinks it's Mike. He asks where Jackson's boots are. Smith says that they are likely downstairs and likely have not been cleaned yet. Downing finds the boot he wants, and Smith asks Downing if he wants Smith to carry it. Downing says yes, thinking that it would be undignified for a headmaster to be carrying a dirty boot. Which I'm just like, you know what, dude? You deserve everything that's about to happen to you because yeah. that dumb. Yeah. Smith sees that there is a splash of red on the boot. Smith knows it's Mike, and when they get to the headmaster, the headmaster looks at it, and there is no paint. Dun, dun, dun. It's almost like we've read this scene before. <laughs> you have. Yes. But oh, you're right. My version. You're right. It wasn't in your version. So, for people who haven't listened you, you, to you were saying that is like, I haven't. <laughs> so, for people who haven't listened to our very first episode, in Something Fresh, there are two versions of it. I read the American version, which is called Something New, and it had a apparently deleted scene where this exact situation plays out where there is a shoe with paint on it and someone uses it as evidence and the another person hides it swaps it out makes it seem like that original person is crazy and one of those people is named rupert <laughs> that is true <laughs> so i mean i just my only note for that chapter was 
at the very beginning of it, I'm like, oh, we're going to get the same scene as in Blanding's Castle. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I recognize it because, you know, I and I thoroughly enjoyed that scene in something new. To be fair. Or not fair. I don't know how much <laughs> this came out first. I guess that's fair. Which it honestly it would make more sense to me if the Blanding's Castle came out first because mm -hmm. you could say, oh, well, in the UK version, mm -hmm. they took that point out. So it's okay for me to use it in mm -hmm. Mike and Smith. But since sure. Mike and Smith came out first, I'm kind of like, I mean, let's be fair. It's not like Woodhouse hasn't reused mm -hmm. scenes and mm -hmm. plot points and yeah. I just also <laughs> I just also felt like and this sort of goes into the other the next chapter, but like I felt like this scene went on for too long. Because there were so many different like twists and turns in it. And I'm like, okay, yes, I get it. Smith's so smart. I, okay, I don't I don't I don't agree I don't agree in this chapter. But I do see your point in the it, next chapter. Yeah, that, and that's what I'm saying. Like that's why I'm saying I'm going into like the next chapter. A yeah, bit. they could have like, like I'm like you could have you could have wrapped it up just like they did in something new and I would not have an issue. But because it bled into the next chapter and there were so many twists and turns, I'm like, okay. I think if they had cut out in spoiler for the next chapter that you're gonna be listening <laughs> to in a bit, if they had cut out the whole chimney scene, yeah, I think it would have worked better because yeah. I'll I'll give you that. If, if they didn't feel like he needed to, you know, it's kind of like, oh, we're going to do that same thing except in this different place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I I can I can agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. It. Well, let's. Do you have any more notes on chapter? Nope, 50? that was it. All right. <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to chapter fifty, and then we can bitch about Smith a little bit more. Great. Because uh, I I kind of will be with you in this chapter. <laughs> chapter 50, they all look at the boot and Downing accuses Smith of doing something. Smith theorizes that Downing saw light that made him think there was paint on the shoe. Smith asks if he can go and Downing, <laughs> Downing gives him the boot, which when I wrote that, I didn't think, oh yeah, that's two ways. <laughs> uh, once out of sight, Smith runs. When he gets back to the house, he takes the boot off the top of the basket. And he puts it inside a cupboard. <laughs> Downing comes back, having realized what Smith might have done and what's like, why? This is his roommate. Why would you not think that he would try to pull a fast one on you? Yeah. Also, another instance of like, okay, you deserve everything that comes next. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know. What do you think about Dr. Watson now, huh? <laughs> Dr. Watson never would have followed for that. Hell no. <laughs> I assume. <laughs> Dr. Watson has fallen for some things, but it's the same type of stuff most of us would fall for. Sure. Something yeah. Captain Hastings would fall for. I mean, you're not wrong. But <laughs> that's part of the reason Captain Hastings is so fun. Look, have you not figured out I love lovable idiots? Okay, but Hastings isn't that lovable. He is. We're going to disagree on this, and we're okay. not going to turn this I into also, the Agatha Christie podcast. I also love bumbling idiots. 
Oh, he's certainly bubbling. I will give you that. There you go. <laughs> All right. Before I get back on my soapbox, I'm going to move on. Uh, yeah, you put that away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's over there, but it's like it's magnetic. He keeps coming back. <laughs> Downing tells Smith he wants to look at the boots again. Smith irritates Downing by looking at him through his eyeglasses and then just staring at him as he looks through the boots. Smith asks if he can read and then does so. After searching twice, Downing looks around the room and sees the cupboard. He tells Smith to unlock it, but Smith says he doesn't know where the key is. Downing says he will break it open, but Smith says that he can only do it if Outwood says he can. Or he says for Smith to go get Mr. Outwood. And then that chapter ends. Do you just want me to go on with chapter 51 or do you have notes on 50? No, go, go on to 51. I don't have any on 50. Right. Smith says he will not, as he is concerned that Downing might break into the cupboard. But Downing goes to get Outwood himself. And I'm amazed throughout this that at no point is Smith actually punished mm-hmm. or is insolent. And yeah. He's being insubordinate and he doesn't have any consequence because he's a Gary Stew. Yeah. I, I'm just like, I mean, technically he's right that Outwood should be the mm-hmm. one, but just his complete manner in which he approaches that is just all right. Smith takes the key from his pocket, unlocks the cupboard, and takes out the boot. He replaces it with a different boot from the basket. This is the chapter where I'm like, oh, it's a little much. Yeah. <laughs> he ties the boot to a string and, and puts it outside the window. He puts another boot up the uh, fireplace. He then goes to the bathroom and washes his hands, and he comes back from washing his hand, and Downing and Outwood are there. Downing gets permission from Outwood to open the cupboard. Cup, cupboard. I cannot say that word now. Cupboard. Cupboard. With a dumbbell. Stop. Yeah. Stop trying to pronounce the, the P and the B. Just do cupboard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Downing finds the boot but sees it has no paint on it. Outwood mentions needing to get the chimney swept. Sure. For some reason. For some reason. And Downing connects that with Smith washing his hands, so he thrusts his arm up into the chimney and pulls out a boot. It, of course, has no paint on it. Smith admits to having put the boot up there. Again, no punishment. Yep. He basically says, I did it to be an ass. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much what he says. He's like, I did it to mess with you. And then Downing leaves, and Smith pulls the boot back in from the window and hides it in the chimney. Okay, now we can talk about all these. There's just too many. Like, this this scene should not have lasted across three chapters. Yeah, that was kind of like, oh, well, after this chapter, we'll get, oh, no, it's two more chapters. Yeah. The whole thing is. Yeah. Um, It's just too much. It's just like. Let's show off how smart Smith is. Yeah. I mean, I agree with his actions as a friend. Sure. But his approach. Come on, man. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, that whole chapter, I was just like, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. That that was it. That was my entire reaction. (laughs) Although I did have a different note that was not about Smith. Okay. That I feel like we need to address. This is the first time that I have seen a admittedly period appropriate 
However, it's the first time Woodhouse has used a slur. Which one did he use? The N-word. Oh, it's when Downing had put his hand up to Jimmy and then wiped his face. Ah, uh, okay. And so he looked like he was wearing blackface and Outwood makes a comment using the N-word. And I made a comment. I'm like, yeah, Woodhouse is usually pretty good about uh, not using slurs. Yeah. Bring Granted, that's the first one I've seen. Yeah. Uh, I You see a couple, at least, in uh, some of the Jeeves books. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are other ones, but I don't really recall mm-hmm. any outside those. Yeah. Um, which brings me to a quick question, which, you know, since we're doing the podcast, how do you feel about, and you sent me the article about them uh, deciding to update yeah. some of uh, Woodhouse yeah. novels to mm-hmm. remove some language? and. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I will say that I don't agree with any form of censorship. And I think it's important to recognize when a book was written. That's why I say like it was period, maybe not appropriate, period accepted. Like that was language that was used during that time period. Does that make it okay? No. Was it commonplace for that time period in 1910? Yes. Like that is important to recognize and censoring it adapting it updating quote unquote like i don't know it it feels wrong i'm okay with them doing like and i think it said it in the article but kind of doing like what they do with a lot of the uh old looney tunes cartoons just putting mm-hmm. like a thing at the beginning with like sure this is the product of its time blah 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 yeah. there may be language that I'm fine with that. I don't think they need to change any of the language in the book itself. Yes, I, I'm totally fine with an acknowledgement at the beginning of like, yes, it is a product of its time, but don't change any of the source material. Yeah. Because that that is censorship. It, regardless of why you're doing it, it is censorship. I don't know. That, I guess that's my soapbox. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you make sure you put it back where you found it. <laughs> I... <laughs> All right. Do, do you have anything else you'd like to say about Smith or Downing, I guess? Or <laughs> I honestly, like like I said, I don't mind Downing. Like, I, I get it. I, I mean, think he's a li- I think he's a little overzealous. <laughs> I mean, he's fits the antagonist role. Yeah. But I guess my issue with Smith beyond, like, his personality is that he is supposed to be in my opinion, in this book specifically, he's supposed to be a psychic, and he's not. Oh no, he he's not a psychic. Even yeah. though in this book, Mike is still the main character. Yes, that's what I mean. In this book specifically, because we Mike is the main character, like Smith is automatically in that psychic role, and he does a piss poor job of it. Oh yeah, Mike is the main character, but it feels like whenever Smith is around, yeah. Smith is like, no, I'm the main character. Yeah, and I find that really annoying. <laughs> it's like, I mean, yes, eventually you will be, but not here. No, no, I'm the it's main character. It's not your turn yet. Stay <laughs> in your own lane. I think this would have been more acceptable to me if there had, if there had been like a sentence 
or a paragraph, something that's saying Smith had to do lines on something sure. or there he, some sort of consequence. He had Saturday detention or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he does all the things that he does and then that he's going to do. Mm -hmm. And it's fine. Out any consequence. Yeah. And get used to that. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> that's all I will say. <laughs> okay. That's one of the reasons I don't think that he works as a main character. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. if somebody is a main character and they just sail through whatever they're doing, you can't connect with them. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what I was saying earlier. Like he has no flaws and, and therefore he's not relatable. Yeah. Uh chapter 51. Nope. 52. 52. My apologies. <laughs> I was like, we just went on in there and I'm like, all right, let's do it again. Let's, <laughs> let's expand that chapter beyond what it needed to be expanded. So it's like. <laughs> just staying on theme, really. Yeah. All right. <laughs> chapter 52. Smith does not tell Mike what happened that afternoon, not thinking of the consequences if he did. Because the consequences would do nothing for him. They would do something for Mike. Yes. And it's okay if consequences are for other people. <laughs> so Mike doesn't know what happened to his boot. As boys must wear boots to form, he doesn't have any. So he has to wear shoes. And Downing sees immediately somehow with some type of ESP that Mike isn't wearing boots. He just senses it. Oh, okay. I was like, is ESP the right yeah. phenomena? Okay. Extrasensory perception. Okay. <laughs> the ESPN, that's what your husband watches. So Yes. Okay. I just want to make sure you <laughs> I do know the difference between ESP and ESPN. <laughs> Good job, Captain Hastings. <laughs> yeah. Like, I I do have to say my only note for this chapter is about the shoe thing. And it's another part where I'm just like, seems excessive. <laughs> because, so it's a, the paragraph or whatever is, Mr. Downing was perhaps the most bigoted anti-shoeist in the whole list of English schoolmakers. He waged war remorselessly against shoes. Satire, abuse, lines, detention, every weapon was employed. I'm like, they're just shoes, man. I, I, I kind of enjoyed that <laughs> i know i enjoyed it but i'm just like okay, so oh okay <laughs> I, i'm just like it's a little it's a little much like they're just shoes they, they can't hurt you oh okay so you're just saying downing dude yeah like downing himself no i, I, I enjoyed go, like, woodhouse <laughs> no i enjoyed the writing i thought it was really funny but i'm just like okay downing how did shoes hurt you in the past do you want to talk about it <laughs> images in my head okay uh. <laughs> you're just a picture just like feetless shoes just like pelting him yeah bombarding him <laughs> yeah. well that's because i'm like clearly something happened to you yeah so chapter 53 all of a sudden we're back with stone and robinson again who haven't mm -hmm. really been around much mm -hmm. uh and they're tired of eight airs early morning fielding practice which seems a common theme, a theme. <laughs> with any school and cricket in woodhouse world they decide they're not going to do it anymore. 
they don't think Adair will do anything. And if he does, then they'll just go play in the village with Mike. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> They've just decided this. Yeah. They didn't talk to Mike or anything. And nope. Doesn't seem like they're really great pals with them. So. Nope. <laughs> so the next day, they just don't show up to practice. Adair decides to talk to the two of them about it. They tell him their plans to play for Mike if they're kicked off. Adair says that he's not going to kick them off, but they are showing up for practice the next day. They say, nah. <laughs> and Adair pushes Stone down. Stone goes after him, and although bigger than Adair, Adair is more skilled. After Adair takes care of him, and he tells him he is going to be at practice tomorrow, and Stone agrees. Robinson won't even fight and says he'll be there. And then Adair goes to see Mike. This is obviously early 19th century sure stuff like this like nowadays yeah. it's like because you read that and you're like yeah eight airs in the right whereas if it was yeah. now dude you can't do yeah. that right yeah. and it's it's funny because that's exactly what i was thinking i was like okay as i was reading I'm like okay yeah sure of course you're gonna like you're gonna be a captain you're gonna teach him a lesson but in the context of now if if a team captain did that I'm just like, that is not your place, man. <laughs> like, tell tell the coach or whatever. Like, calm down. Yeah. So, like, in the context, I'm, I was like, yeah, I'm completely, I agree with you. I yes. make sense. Because, yeah. as we were saying earlier, like, with the, the language stuff, right. it's time appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. My, my note for this one, I find amusing, personally. So, when we first start the chapter, Stone and Robinson, and I'm going to quote are engaged in the intellectual pursuit of kicking the wall and marking the height of each kick with chalk and my note was why is this a hobby boys are weird i don't know what to say to that besides uh-huh but but why like why are you why are you kicking a wall and then measuring it to see who could like, kick higher but why to see who could kick higher oh my god but but why to see who could get higher <laughs> i don't understand why you don't understand there are other competitive hobbies that you could have that don't involve property damage but the walls right there Black the walls are lots of opportunity I'm not saying that I've done this, but I understand. I think that you have done this. I ha I um, have not done this. <laughs> I will never. I will not say that I've never kicked a wall. Yeah, but you've never used chalk. But to not as competitive. <laughs> not in the competitive sense. <laughs> so that that was that's my note. Is that boys are weird, <laughs> and this this whole chapter sort of sums that up. Because not only were they kicking walls, but then they got uh. into a fight. Yeah, <laughs> like boys are weird, and I I have trouble understanding them. Well, this is why I never had any. <laughs> I think also <laughs> biology plays a part in that. Because I was able to arrange that. <laughs> yeah, like what? <laughs> I just tilted this way a little bit, and <laughs> no boys. <laughs> PSA: That's not actually how it works. Please don't think that leaning to one side guarantees that you won't have boys. <laughs> Just but, wanna but please 
I don't want to be accused of putting misinformation out there. Please do try to get your partner to think that that is actually the case. <laughs> because somebody's got to be a Jellico. Please wear condoms. <laughs> Just full of PSA today. Oh, but what if they want children? That would be counterintuitive. Well, okay, and yeah, if you're doing, like, you're intentionally having sex to procreate, like, yeah, don't wear a condom. Oh, I was like, but if you're <laughs> just, if you just want to play a joke, <laughs> wear a condom. <laughs> okay, well, let's move anyway. on. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Was there anything else about this chapter besides boys are weird and wear a no, condom? No, that sums up the entire chapter. <laughs> okay. Chapter 54. Uh, Mike is reading a letter from the cricket captain at Riken and is bitter about how poorly his old team is doing. That's when Adair comes in. Adair tells him about his row with Stone and Robinson, and Mike, although not knowing why, understands Adair is looking for a fight. Adair says Stone and Robinson will be showing up for practice, and so will Mike. Mm. They squirt up on each other, and Smith comes between them and says they need to go outside to do this. And that's the end of that chapter. Mm -hmm. No, I don't have any notes for that one. All right. Any comments about it? Or <laughs> no, I mean, boys are weird. Yes, we know. <laughs> boys are weird, but also like I haven't had an issue with Adair throughout like most of the novel. Uh -huh. He's just he's just like school spirit boy. Like great, but. This one, I was kind of like, okay, I get it, but also stop throwing your weight around and thinking that you can just beat people into submission. <laughs> Unless it's Stone and Robinson, then you're okay with uh, it. Unless it's Stone and Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Stone and Robinson were a little too cocky for my taste. They needed to be knocked <laughs> down a peg. Mike, my darling boy, has not done anything wrong. <laughs> I, I I don't agree, disagree with you, I and I also think that after this chapter, yeah, it kind of makes yeah. you know sense and things are settled. So, mm -hmm. you know, obviously, as we're about to see in the next chapter, you know, Adair isn't the only one who has a bit of a temper about everything going on. So, chapter 55 Smith sets it up as a boxing match with rounds. Both boys go at it like they want to end it quickly. Adair is actually a boxer, and Mike has never trained in his life. But Adair goes in without much thought, and Mike knocks him down. Adair comes back up, and Mike knocks him down again. Pretty much out for the count. Mike cools off and actually feels friendliness towards Adair, which I kind of understand. Boys that, are weird. That, that is a common boy thing. It's like, oh, we fought now. Now our beef is done. Boys are so weird. Whereas, I'm going to stereotype, girls <laughs> will fight, and then they will continue to hold a grudge. Yeah. <laughs> you you just have to fight with I someone. I was waiting for you to say, no, that's sexist. And you're like, no, no, that, that's correct. <laughs> I know, I 100% agree. <laughs> like, like, okay, yes. Is it stereotyping? Yes. There are obviously exceptions. It is. However, in my experience, like, no, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to feel any sort of friendliness with someone I just got into a fight with, whether it's physical or verbal. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be like, oh, okay. 
Like, no, we are enemies now. I, I, I can feel friendliness towards people I've gotten in verbal fights with. I've actually, yeah. it's been a while since I've had a physical fight, but I, 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 oh, yeah, been... I mean, I haven't had a physical fight in like what, <laughs> at least almost 20 years. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was like high school for me, too. Yeah. But it, yeah, I, I had some friendliness towards people in those. And I obviously get in verbal fights a lot. And that is true. <laughs> um, you know, depending on who the person is, I, yeah, I can feel friendliness towards it. Sometimes it's in getting stuff out, which obviously here. Sure. Here, it, that's what they it, were doing. They are. Yeah. This is like. Well, and plus, I think there's, I think there's a difference, right? Between like, obviously this was productive for them. Mm -hmm. But if I'm just getting into a fight with someone and there's no like real resolution besides we're going to kick each other's ass, whether it's physically or verbally, like, I'm not going to feel friendly. Like, I didn't get anything out of it. Yeah, but also between the two of them, it they, they, and I believe Mike kind of touches upon it later, mm -hmm. but they kind of have the same thought process Yeah, about things. And it's like, after they get their bad feelings out of the way through the fight, yeah, they kind of like they can take that bad feeling and set it aside and kind of look at mm -hmm. everything clearly. And obviously, I, I, since Eight Air isn't a main character, we don't know as much, but mm -hmm. we can see that Mike needs to get past, yeah, this, yeah, and he sees it too, also, as yeah, we find out. So, I mean, obviously, yeah, no, if. Like somebody you don't know, like throws a pencil at your head or something, and you get in a fight. That doesn't mean that after that you're going to be like, "Hey, yeah, pencil in my head, and we threw down." And I don't want to be friends with somebody who just throws pencils at people's heads. Yeah, well, I mean, like I'm, I'm thinking of like when I was in middle school, like a girl put gum in my hair, and I had to go to the nurse and get it cut out, and then. Like I think we were like paired up in a, like a group or something like the next week, and we obviously weren't friendly. And the teacher was like, "Why don't you guys just get along?" I'm like, "Because she put gum in my hair. I'm not getting along with her, and I didn't even get into a fight with her. I just not going to be friendly." Yeah, and, and that's you know perfectly reasonable too. But yeah, you know, boys, boys more weird. often than girls can do this. I guess. Bite and then move past. I guess. Weirdos. <laughs> oh, so Mike starts to feel friendliness towards Adair. And he feels like he's been making an ass of himself. So and once he gets past that aggression, he's like, oh, you know what? I've been kind of a jerkwad. <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> I feel like this is sending the wrong message though, because it's this implication that like if you get into a fist fight, everything will become so much clearer and your problems will be solved. Uh, but, but I okay, I, I you're you're looking at the fist fight. I'm looking at like you did something to work your anger out. Sure. And once you did that, you were able to think clearly. Now for Mike, it was a a, a fight with Adair, but there there's other things that people can do. I'm not suggesting that 
I just don't know really what to do. I'm going to go pick a fight with somebody. <laughs> but, you know, you find a way to work your anger out. It just happened sure. to be that that was the most immediate and relatively unharmful way to do it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But no, yeah, obviously wouldn't suggest it for everybody. Yeah. Especially if you can't fight. I mean, yeah. I like, say you're me, don't go pick a fight with Mike Tyson because you're not going to feel anything after yeah, that. Get it. Getting beaten down is not necessarily going I mean, to be illuminating anything. Maybe a coma if you're lucky. <laughs> I also don't think that Mike Tyson would just get into random fights with strangers. I mean, no, because Mike Tyson knows he would get sued. Well, I mean, there is that, but yeah. also I think I'm sure there are plenty of people who have tried to pick fights with Mike Tyson. He's like, no, yeah. I like my money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's also probably like, I'm and he also knows. To fight you. He also knows I could kill you. Yeah. Well, I don't have anything to prove. <laughs> yeah. Smith comes to the study and suggests that it wouldn't be a bad idea for Mike to play the game, and Smith says that he will also play because you know what? He was actually pretty good at cricket at his last school. Big shock. Gary, do. <laughs> I've never read a character in a work that has been published that was such a Gary Stu. Like, it's kind of painful. Like, just let him be bad at something. Let him have a flaw. You're going to disagree with me. No, I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm just thinking, it's like, I don't think that he has any flaw. Yeah. Throughout any of the novels. Yeah. His biggest flaw is that he has a slight misunderstanding with somebody and leave it to Smith. Does he apologize? Uh, no, it works out for him. Shocker. Sorry if that was a spoiler alert for. I'm sure I'll forget by the time I read it. <laughs> But I, 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 I was. I don't know how you're going to feel about Smith in the City and Smith Journalist. Mm -hmm. But I think you will like Leave It to Smith because it's got characters from Blanding's Castle in it. So you got a counter. And it, yeah. Rupert Baxter is trying to remember the other Rupert's name. Yeah, Baxter. Um, the, the efficient Baxter. The efficient Baxter. It's like I know it's. It's like you know have to do his full title. And then I couldn't remember Baxter, but yeah. yeah. Um, but you got characters there that you already know you like. So, mm -hmm. but you'll just have to get used to like, and I'm not saying everything only mm -hmm. because I can't say for 100% surety that it's true, but you're just going to have to get used to Smith being flawless, essentially. Ugh. All right. Flawless and a little full of himself. <laughs> a little. <laughs> I'm assuming it just gets worse. Um, sort of. <laughs> let, okay. let me just put it this way. I think he's better with Mike around. 
Mike is not always around. Well, yeah. <laughs> You've already told me that. Yeah. <laughs> so take that as you will. <laughs> Great. Okay. Yeah. So Smith says that he's also going to play. Um, so they're both going to play, but Adair can't because his wrist is sprained now because yep. of fight. Anything else about this chapter? Nope. Chapter 56. Mike runs into Adair and apologizes for hurting his wrist. They talk about the weather, afraid that the game might be washed out. They leave pretty much as friends. They wonder if MCC isn't coming, but Mike suggests the match with Riken if they don't. It's a pretty short chapter. Do you have any notes mm-hmm. on that before I move to the next chapter? Yeah, I just had okay. a question. Yes. Because, let me see where it is. Oh, so when Mike and Adair are talking, Adair makes, um, he's trying to, like, validate Mike. And Adair makes a comment about how it must be hard to have gone from Riken to, like, such a small school. And Mike's for once pauses and and sort of thinks about things before he speaks but his thought process is weird okay because he's pretty much like mike fortunately perceived that the words were used purely from politeness on the quote-unquote chinese principle when a china man wishes to pay a compliment he does so by belittling himself and his belongings and i'm like um okay like, I feel like you could have just said that he was being self-deprecating. I mean... Instead sure. of bringing China into it, but, oddly. I mean... When there's when there's been no other mention of any Chinaman. I mean, I understand <laughs> what you're saying, but that that is a, a, a quality that is associated with... It is. Asian culture, the humbleness. It is, and, and I understand, like, this is another, like, product of a time thing. But it was just, like, I read it, and I, and I just literally just, like, stopped for a second because so it's like I don't I don't know how to deal with that. <laughs> I like, I'm like I really don't know what to do with it. So I'm just like okay. I kind like, of feel like I don't know what to do because I just kind of read over that and didn't stop and like... you were just like whoop <laughs> uh, whereas I had to pause, highlight it, and then add a note of just question mark, question mark, question mark. Cause I was confused about why China was brought in. I have no issue with China being brought in, but I, I would like it to be more consistent and not as part of self-deprecation. Um, I don't know. It just, it feels weird to be I, I, stereotyping. I don't, say, I, don't, I don't have an issue with it. One, I don't think it's particularly disparaging of I, the Chinese. I, no, I agree, but it just, it felt like out of nowhere. Yeah, and it is a stereotype that is prevalent yes. among Asian people yes. or about it, Asian people. Yes, but it, like I said, it just felt like out of nowhere and so it just like just bothered me. Eh, I, I don't really have anything to add to that. Like and, I, I know yeah. I know that I understand it, but I'm just like, yeah, I just read it and went right past it. Which which is fine. <laughs> like obviously different things uh stand out to us. But yeah, it was just confusing for me. But anyway. Uh, I will say point blank, I do not have notes on the next chapter. Okay, chapter 57. MCC does call the match off. Downing calls Mike to his office. He accuses Mike he accuses Mike of painting Sammy and says it's because of his 
boot. The fact that he did wasn't wearing boots because mm-hmm. he thinks that Mike is hiding the boots for some reason. Later, Smith explains about the boot to Mike, and Mike tells him what he was doing that night. The boy comes to tell Mike that the headmaster wants him, and Mike goes. After a few minutes, Smith runs there and says that it was he, Smith, that did it. So, of course, he's going to take all the punishment that comes with this, and he'd probably get kicked out of Sedley, and wow, what a sacrifice. Anyway... <laughs> Literally three seconds later. After 58. Ader comes in and says it was Dunster that painted Sammy. Ader says he got a letter from him that says he did so. Headmaster sends for Smith, says he did it for notoriety. What? I got to be honest. I think that's deserving of punishment. Well, yeah. I don't know if I'm, okay, I was going to say, I don't know if I'm just being a dick here, but if you say you did something and you know you didn't do it, and then you lit, literally admit it just so that it's like, oh, I wanted, I said that I did it, even though I didn't, because I knew it would improve my reputation. Yeah, or at least to say I did it because I was afraid Mike would get in trouble. That would be that would be understandable. Completely yeah, and it's like I think if he did that, and then you, they found out Dunster was the one who actually did it, then to me it would be understanding that understandable that the headmaster would go. Well, you shouldn't have done that, but you did it to save your friend. I understand. But to say, I did it for notoriety, and guess what? I ain't getting in trouble for it either. Yeah. You would never use that accent. But still. (laughs) Although, I think that might make me like him a little bit more. I was like, Um, okay. (laughs) So, the headmaster talks to him alone, and Smith then did say that it was out of fear that Mike would get expelled. But I still think. That was the first one. Mike tells Adair that he'll contact Riken about a game, and then he tells Smith he think that he admitted to it to get Mike out of a scrape, which I I kind of think it does, and based on their their history together that you don't know all about yet, obviously. I he will do a lot for Mike. Mm. And honestly. That's like his saving grace as a character is his friendship with Mike. Because imagine Smith, imagine you just remove Mike from this novel. I quite honestly, I would have DNF'd it. <laughs> if if Mike was really made this podcast hard, it would have. And for people who don't know, DNF means did not finish. Yeah, if Mike wasn't in it, I, I would have DNF'd it. Because I could not tolerate that. Mike is this novel saving grace. <laughs> Which is good, considering it's named after him. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that I like the novel more than you did. And obviously Woodhouse did, because according to a lot of reports, Mike, the entire mm-hmm. novel, is his favorite novel of his. Yeah. So we're at the end, chapter 59. It's going to take me a while to read this, but... Oh, hold on. I have... You have notes? I I had two emojis that were oh, my notes. Okay, that'll be useful for an audio podcast. <laughs> so, one of them is when Smith is talking. And he, can, he starts doing his, his thing where he's like, let me... I think I just figured out one reason I don't like him. 
one of many. He pontificates, but also his pontificating is very similar to mansplaining. Although he is mansplaining to other men, so I guess just sure pontificating. But he, he sounds like, well, an English version of well, actually. Yes. Okay. Yes. So he starts I, I doing mansplain, mansplaining. To you. <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't take that as mansplaining. I took it as validating. <laughs> I know, but the way I came in and said it, I was like, "Oh, just like, do you mean it this way?" Um, so <laughs> my what you mean? <laughs> so Smith starts doing that and talking about like human nature stuff, and I just I had and I just put the rolling eyes emoji because sure we can't possibly end the novel without Smith, you know, going off on how much better and smarter he is than everyone, and the other one. What? Somebody I'm arguing with on Twitter is saying to me, <laughs> you think you're so much smarter than everybody. No, I just think I'm smarter than you. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have an issue with that as much because you've been interacting with this person and you realize that you are smarter. Yeah. Smith just no, walks through. Smarter than everybody. Yeah, all. well, that's the thing. Like Smith just walks <laughs> through the world thinking that he's smarter than everyone. And that bothers me. But the other part is, I believe, yeah, it's at the very end of the chapter. Smith is talking, and he says something of like, I never thought to hear those words from Michael Jackson. And I just put the crying, laughing face. <laughs> and then Mike said, Billy Jean. Yeah, none of that. Because I'm just like, it would have yeah. been fine if, I, you didn't, if he didn't say Michael, if he had just said Mike Jackson. I'm glad that he generally uses Mike instead of Michael because, yeah, that would have made. I would have, yeah. We would have had so many dumb jokes in this podcast. Because we haven't had any so far. We would have had so many dumb jokes about that particular <laughs> in this podcast. All right. So, you ready? Yeah. Chapter 59. Cricket happens. Sidley wins by 35. Woohoo. Do you have any notes? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I felt like Robin in this. I'm just like, what are they doing? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was like, I basically, I just read for like anything that mattered to yeah. the drama of the story as opposed to the cricket not, game and that I'm was not gonna much, lie that's pretty much what i did at that last chapter too because i'm like okay it's cricket i'm just gonna skim it <laughs> i read it but like it, it's like you read it you read a sentence and it's like well i don't really understand that yeah i'm gonna move on to the next sentence yep and that's that's what i did uh i am ready to take a break from cricket um, yes. I'm glad that there was far less cricket in this novel than in Mike at Riken. Mm -hmm. There, there are far less cricket games, at least. Although cricket did play a background yeah. role in a lot of the novel, and that's fine. I don't yeah. mind it being a background role. I just don't want to read literally a play-by-play -play of a game. And that's entirely us. Yeah. If we knew more about cricket. I probably wouldn't care. I wouldn't care because if 
we both well not now because they change all the rules and stuff but we both <laughs> watch baseball yes if, if it was baseball we'd be like okay i get it because i know the rules yeah. of baseball i know all yeah. this it's just like yeah if we knew the rules as well as obviously woodhouse did yeah then the chapter would have been more understandable for yeah. Us. yeah um i understood they came together as a team. Mike got over his like anger about cricket. Smith decided to play because of Mike. Mm-hmm. It's my generous view. And everybody got along and they won. And it's, it's a feel-good, happy ending that just involved a lot of cricket that I didn't understand. And after I did so much research for cricket in the last novel, I'll be honest, I'm like, cricket good. Score. Yeah. Yay. Like in this one, we, <laughs> yeah, we don't need to fully understand cricket in this one because it only really appears in two chapters. Yeah. And if it had been more cricket filled, I, pro- I would have put more research sure. into it. Yeah. I also may have pushed it off until later so we didn't have two huge cricket novels in a row. Yeah. But so I'm going to ask how you felt about Mike and Smith overall as a book. I wonder what you will say. I mean, it's it's pretty much what I, I've said this whole time, right? Is that like I liked Mike. You know, he's my darling little boy because in my mind he's still twelve. And it's gonna be even, really weird when like he's in thirty in another novel. And... Even though at no point while reading this novel was he twelve. Then but in my mind he was. Yeah, it's like not even in the first one. And not even in the first one, he was not twelve. <laughs> I borderline hated Smith. Everything else made sense to me. So I and I may have discussed this in a previous podcast. I use Copile to rate my books. Um, and it got a 3.5 out of 5, just like Micah Riken. Really? Yeah. So I'm going to say, and I don't necessarily agree with Copile, so, but sure. I'm going to say, I mean, I will say I don't use it for mine but mm-hmm. I, I i agree with you scoring however you want to score i'm not saying you're wrong yeah, um, it's just like, it's like that is no, my opinion you're wrong what your actual score is <laughs> no um i think and correct me if i'm wrong the addition of smith was counterbalanced by the absence of a lot of cricket so that's why the score kind of stayed yeah because it's Think about it. Like, and if anyone's listening to these two podcasts back to back, you'll remember me saying this. In the last one, I said that if you took the cricket out of it, it probably would have been a four or four point five. Earlier in this podcast, I said if you took Smith out of it, I would have liked it a lot more. It's the same thing. It just so happens that one of them, cricket, I didn't like because I don't understand it. The other one I don't like. Because he's a humongous asshole. I'm going to see what I, because I don't remember what I scored it. All right. Oh, good Lord. 
And I apologize for any mistakes I made in this, but I read this book like last month. Or was it the month before? Good Lord, when did I read this? There it is. I, I pretty much gave it what if based on how I score, if I did it like upon a five star system, like a four to four point two five. Um, I will say because I can also look this up. Out of a ten, it got about a six and a half. Yeah, my, my that's that's both of them. Oh, both of them together. Yes, because I I read the same one you did where it had both of them together. Yes. So I for my cop file for my cop file I rated them the same. Yeah. Um, but I looked it up on Storygraph and the volume that we read, which has both of them, and the average rating is a three point five out of five. Really? Yeah. Although to be fair, it only has three reviews. <laughs> and is one and of those yours? One of them is mine. <laughs> So, two other people agreed with me, apparently. Or because, balanced out. <laughs> yeah, I guess we're balanced out. I did not dislike Smith's character as much as mm -hmm. you did. Also, yeah. I was already used to Smith's character because this is actually the last book I read mm. that had Smith in it. Because okay. I read I read uh, Smith in the City, Smith Journalist, and then Leave it to Smith. And mm -hmm. then... Mike and Smith. So I'm used to Smith by now. Yeah. Um, so, well, I agree with pretty much everything you said about him as a character. Mm -hmm. It didn't bother me as much as it did bother you. Yeah. It didn't now, impact your enjoyment of the novel. Yeah. Now, when I'm going back and I'm doing the podcast with you and we're kind of looking back and it's like, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. It's like Smith is not a character that I would want to know. In real life, no, that that's true. It doesn't mean I don't enjoy reading them, but what I do not enjoy in this novel or in any novel is that Smith doesn't go through any hardships mm -hmm. or face consequences. So, yeah, yeah, you know, it's as I pointed out before, it's okay with Jeeves because Jeeves is, despite the books being a Jeeves story or a Jeeves novel, Jeeves is not the main character, yeah. So that's fine. But Smith here is basically a co-main character. Mm -hmm. And in future novel actually moves up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Leave it to Smith. Mike is in it, but just barely. Yeah. Whereas leave it to Smith. Smith is the main character. Even the Blanding's castle. He's the main character. Yeah. Which, I mean, a lot of that happens in the Blanding's Castle because, like, uh, Ash and Joan were mm -hmm. basically main characters in the first one. Yeah, yeah. Blanding's Castle is more of, like, a setting. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, 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 I thought it was good. I think I, I kind of don't want to say this because I don't know how it will make you feel about feature books, but of the school stories I've read so far, this is probably the best. <laughs> To be fair, I've only read like three other ones. Yeah. Um, okay. That's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh I mean, we'll see. I I don't think that there are any characters that you will dislike as much you like Smith and those, but 
I mean, we can hope. <laughs> but next time we are going to be reading the inevitable. Didn't do it. Damn it. Inevitable. <laughs> yes, the inevitable Jeeves, which is a uh, collection of eleven short stories, but it's actually kind of written in novel form. Mm-hmm. It it it's they're interconnected stories that make up an eighteen chapter novel okay i will be <laughs> because i just i i just read this mm-hmm. again i've read it before it'll be interesting to see how you feel about some of the characters in there and we will be talking again about how birdie's friends treat him <laughs> yes. so i'm just i'm gonna say I like this book. Mm-hmm. I also got angry reading this book. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, but again, and I may, I think I am more of a birdie defender than you are. You've only read one short story collection. Yeah. So, but, you know, as somebody who is feels protective of birdie, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, leave him alone. <laughs> We're all dicks. <laughs> and I'm sorry, yeah, sometimes that includes you too, Jeeves. All right, so that was, what's it called? Did you forget the name of the book? Yeah, so that was Mike and Smith by P.G. Woodhouse. Next episode, we will be talking about the inevitable Jeeves. And yes, that takes a lot of concentration to say accurately. <laughs> <laughs> Tally ho. <laughs> ho. Watson rules. Hastings sucks. Hastings, thank all right. you for listening to our podcast. Thank you for Please listening. <laughs> I'll be dashed. I'll be dashed.